still just... open from like last time. So <laughs> from like I just finished editing like Tuesday. And what's today? Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't rebooted yet. So oh god. Mm. What is happening? Yeah, I've been spending a bunch Gee. of time not on this computer, but on the media center, because like when I was fucking around with shit to get it ready for the marathon, I figured out that Discord on Windows 7, which is what the Media Center PC was still on, yeah. won't stream audio. It'll only stream video. Like if you're doing like screen sharing. So I had to upgrade that or not upgrade. I had to do a fucking fresh like Windows 10 install on the Media Center. Oh, oh, I okay. So like in Windows 7, yeah. It just wouldn't stream audio and video. I was like, yeah, it will only it will only share video when you're doing screen sharing. What's the fucking point of having Discord if the audio doesn't share? Like, yeah. Isn't that the whole point of Discord? <laughs> well, I mean, Steam players shout me out. Like, I'm pretty sure like there's a big like Steam can, Discord thing, right? Like, like, if I turned my microphone on, people would still be able to hear me. It's just if I was like doing a screen share, like I couldn't share my computer audio. Is, oh, is the case. Yeah. okay. Until I upgraded uh, the media center to Windows 10, so now that's all done. But like now, I mean, there's your first fucking problem: is you're you're still on Windows 10. Like that's and I, and I, I I'd been planning to upgrade it. It I did a whole like you know this whole fucking like upgrade cascade with my PC has like Ooh. now cascaded into my uh, media center because like what I usually do is pull the guts out of my <laughs> desktop rig and then put them in the media center because like it doesn't really need the same use. As you and do, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the same thing, basically. <laughs> so I, I started doing all that shit, and then the fucking cooler that I had on my the CPU cooler that I had on my desktop rig is too fucking tall for the media center case that I have. So yeah, like I ended up having too. yeah. So I ended up having to like fucking just you know I took everything out before I figured that in figured that out. So I had to put old fucking guts back in it and then do the Windows 10 update. <laughs> I have uh, I've realized that, like what is inside my case right now can't go in any anything smaller than the current case it's in because that 3090 yeah. is like a three fucking slot card like it's oh, a yeah. three slot yeah. fucking three fan card and yeah. it also needs like at least an 850 watt power supply to run with anything yeah. close to like a processor that could actually handle it because yeah. you got to have the TDP for the fucking processor and the 400 watt fucking power uh, <laughs> graphics card so this thing can't Jesus. go in anything smaller than like a full tower. Right. Like I'm yeah. never putting this in an HTPC. Like it's never going in like a home theater, <laughs> small form factor build. Yeah. Sadly, like I love, I love building small form factors. You know what I mean? Actually, I was talking yeah. to Paul about like sourcing the parts for him to do a small form factor build to keep in Korea that he could like port with them a little bit more easily kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like a smaller one. Right. Yeah. While he's still over there, if you decide until they decide they want to come back over to Canada permanently, the two of them. Is that the long term you- plan? Is to I guess. come back here eventually? Who, who knows? It's Paul. Only, it's Paul. We don't know. He's always thinking about something. You know, it's there. Yeah. He's the only okay. one. Of, he's the only person who still listens to the podcast. So that, <laughs> he'll probably hear this and comment on it. Now, actually, well, yeah. yeah, he'll send us a message anyway. Or send me a message. <laughs> All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's start this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. This is the 280th episode of our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geek and nerdy from a decidedly not safe work point of view. I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this episode. I'm back from my voyages to the U.S. and I did not get COVID again. Two for two so far. Well, fucking proud of you, brother. You know, I just... Ecstatic beyond the fucking telling. (laughs) So, yeah, I was away last week visiting friends and family around American Thanksgiving, Georgia and Atlanta, and then rural Georgia. My mother in law and her 
side of the family kind of thing. So, yeah, and I've got Mark back with me. Oh, yeah, I'm here-ish. Still. Kind of. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Partially. Yeah, so we're going to sort of go back into nerd history over 20 years ago for this week's meet of the episode in advance of something that's coming out a couple of weeks from now, Christmas release. But before we do that, let's go into the little bits and pieces of nerdy news from uh, the past week or so. First one that I had was there's been a lot of back and forth, like Tom Holland has been saying, you know, making rumblings like this, like No Way Home might be his last time playing Spider-Man. Then Amy Pascal, the producer of the Spider-Man movies, has said, like, no, we're already working on a new trilogy. So they're like, no, we've got you contracted. You're not going anywhere, Holland. I don't know if I mean, like, (sighs) Spider-Man's like the new James Bond. Like, like, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't like Tom Holland, but if he wants to, like, opt out. There will be somebody in his fucking shoes like a week later. These Sony guys aren't fucking around. They're making these movies no matter what. And there's going to be a goddamn Spider-Man in them. So if he doesn't want to play fucking ball, then like fine, they'll replace him. But if he does, I would absolutely love to have a Spider-Man just be around the MCU and like have his own adventures. And it lasts like 10 years where you see him go from high school, do college, and then finally become like, the Spider-Man that leads the Avengers, we all know he should be because, God damn it, eventually Spider-Man should get there. He may never get <laughs> yeah. there in the 616, but he likes to see the movie version finally become like what he should be. But they're always talking about him being like the best of us and all that other shit. Yeah. Instead of just being like the bum kid or whatever. He's like always the like, heart and soul of the Marvel universe. Yeah, and all that kind of he's shit. he's yeah. the one that like everybody's like Reed Richards and Tony point at him and are like, that guy's as smart as us. He just needs to get his shit together. Cap's yeah. always trying to teach him how to fight better. You know what I mean? Like everybody's always trying to get him to the point where he sees in himself that he is that like probably yeah. the best Avenger they could ever possibly have. But like, Peter's gotta get over slacker. Like it, we've all done our time. It's your turn to fucking lead. The, the whole point now. is that Peter's eventually got to get over himself to become <laughs> like the you know ultimate Spider-Man. But like it's just been a sixty-year process or whatever of doing that. And it'd be nice yeah. to see in the movies, at the very least, him get there. In you know, like over the course yeah, of time. Yeah, I'd be cool so. with seeing Holland do something like that. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, to the point where he's in his you know t- mid twenties, late twenties kind of thing, like and early thirties, really, and like he's just yeah. like yeah, he's like the fucking leader of the of the Avengers, the way Spider-Man eventually should be. Because yeah. like the guy's fucking power levels off the charts, and he's got brains like Reed Richards and Tony Stark. He should be leading a super team eventually. I mean, sure. granted, like in the comics now, he's got like nine spiders running around New York that he's basically in charge <laughs> of. So I guess he kind of is, but whatever. Anyway, he's yeah, this is the Batman of the uh, M- the six one six. Basically, he's got slowly but surely he's got like, minions kind of thing. He's got Gwen and Miles Miles running around New York all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I don't know. It's not exactly the same as the Robins, but it's it starts to feel that way sometimes when you pop into the Spider books and like Miles is always just there, and so is Gwen. And, so silk and like everybody else just kind of around all the time. So yeah. anyway, uh, the, a lot of what I was seeing this week was about like TV series. The first one that I am pretty interested in is you know, just as Blade Runner Black Lotus has come out, which I haven't started watching and I need to, I'll probably get to it like over the holiday break. Yeah. I have the episodes piled up. I haven't watched any of them. Yeah. Yet, but uh, Ridley Scott has now said on a radio interview that there is a pilot written and sort of like a show Bible for a Blade Runner live action TV series as well. That would be like maybe like 10 hours or like a, you know, maxi series kind of thing. I would 100% be down for that. I think there's a lot of cool fucking stories and stuff. You could still 
tell in that world. I just, I don't know how much I need Ridley Scott involved in it at this point. I mean, like he'll just be the figurehead that shows up and does like one episode or something like that. Right. Like yeah. they always end up getting that guy to direct like the pilot and then somebody else takes over for the rest of it. So hopefully, hopefully that would be like the case in that case, but I'll take more like stories in the Blade Runner world. If they are held to the same kind of quality level as they were like mm-hmm. between the two movies, which is like, that's pretty exacting, but you know, that's what I expect. So there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the sort of thing now where four years removed from Blade Runner 2049, like the technology should, we're seeing that exponential growth in effects technology now that like effects that were like pretty difficult to do at that point should be almost commonplace, you know, should be able to be done on a TV budget within the next, you know, if they're not now within the next couple of years kind of thing. Yeah, it's usually like 10 years behind. You'll start seeing the like the common stuff become even more common. And like especially the way they've commodified TV production like on the Disney level, right? Like, look at how good the Mandalorian looks. And it's because they've built that technology to that point. So even what we're going to be talking about tonight, like the Matrix, like you look at like the DCCW series, like when those started out, they had like the same quality and level of effects as like the Matrix did when it fucking first came out. And that's, you know, and 12 years after the fact or something like that when like the arrow and the flash started coming in and we'll, and we'll talk about it when we get to the episode but like those I, I was watching the 4k rips of them and i was like oh okay i can start to see i'm starting to see the scenes now finally like it took 20 oh, years but 4K. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like i can I'm, that's what i mean the matrix's effects were so good for their day yeah. though like it took a while for like watchback technology the playback technology to catch up to mm-hmm. its jank like its level of polish yeah. kind of thing but yeah, yeah. uh so it's pretty good not bad then the next thing that i saw and i'm not sure if you guys might have talked about this last week was the mass effect tv series that is rumored yeah. to be on the way from amazon okay you guys covered that last week yeah a little bit basically because yeah. like I, i'm curious about how this is going to affect my t- sci-fi watching because it actually like i'm curious about the mass effect world in terms of like it as a sci-fi universe maybe not as a game i play but in terms of like if it's a show that is star trekky in nature and maybe I'd be more inclined to watch it kind of thing. I watch a lot of sci-fi TV though, right? Like I watch pretty much everything that comes across. It's kind of spacey. Spacey, yeah. Yeah, like I'll watch a couple Space episodes of everything basically. And especially something like this. Like, yeah, I'd be on board for this. So, yeah. and if it backslides me into playing the game, Christy can just like gloat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Finally. <laughs> uh, we've talked a bit about the... Targaryen focused Game of Thrones spinoff that's already in production. But uh, now there's, I mean, there have been other ones. And now it sounds like uh, one that's based on sort of like a lowborn knight called Duncan Egg, Dunk and Egg, uh, that looks maybe kind of like a, I mean, it's like a knight and a squire kind of show, apparently has also been announced. So I, I know nothing about these except set 90 years before the Game of Thrones. But yeah. Duncan the Tall is the knight and his squire is Egg. That sounds like fun enough. Like if it's if it's anything like fucking the Hound and Arya fuck like fucking around the countryside kind of thing. That was some of my favorite parts of Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's fair. I could I can see that being like something to like you would want to watch. Yeah. The next thing that I saw, uh, I had already I already talked about it. And I think I recommended the Chucky TV series and it just got a renewal for a second season on uh, USA slash sci-fi. So I'm happy about that. It's just fun fucking schlock or cool. schlock. Good times. 
Then did you guys already talk about Masters of the Universe Revelation, the second we part? Did. Or did you want to? Yeah. Okay. We did. We had we chatted a little bit about like that it came out and we both enjoyed it. So like I, I finished watching it uh just before we got we recorded last the week. episode. Yeah, last okay. week. So yeah, I'm on like the with. third episode right now. It's it's fucking I mean, it's like Kevin Smith bonkers crazy time kind of shit that's happening, yeah. but like yeah. you know, it's fucking he-man was never super grounded in reality or any sort of like rational like rules or anything like that they can pretty much just do whatever the fuck they want with it yeah basically like as long as it's not like i mean I, i'm just having fun like it was more fun just listening to the performances for me than anything else because like mark hamill i don't know if you've really he's gotten into, so like, much fun <laughs> like yeah, he's really speechifying and he's obviously having a good time speechifying so yeah. i yeah i had a really good time with part two of revelations so like i yeah yeah, I'll probably I, I think I geek credited it actually. I think I may, that may have been like what I recommended last week was okay. maybe Paul did, and I'm trying to take credit for his better <laughs> geek cred than mine. <laughs> uh, the very last thing that I had is Universal still just like trying to make their whole fucking like Universal Monster universe a thing, and they've got this Renfield movie. Renfield's like a vampire hunter, and apparently Nicolas Cage is going to be Dracula in this Renfield movie. Sure. <laughs> I just I Nicolas Cage is just I, I don't see him as like menacing creepy vampire oh, no. character. <laughs> I see him as creepy, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, but not the not that kind of creepy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> creepy uncle than like, you know, Dracula creepy. Just get yeah. Gary Ullman again. Like, let's be honest, guys. He could oh, still do yeah. it. That was fantastic. Like, just get him to fucking do it again. Like, well, I mean, you probably wouldn't want to do it, but like, why are we getting, why are you getting Nicolas Cage to play Count Dracula? Like, that's not good. Why, why are we getting Nicolas Cage to do anything anymore? I mean, he's, he's clearly very much getting past his fucking sell by date, I think. <sighs> I mean, Ridley Scott still gets work, dude, you know, like, like the, the, the hair plugs and the terrible fucking hair, like facial hair. And it's like the dudes that just never age out of like, they keep, for some reason, they still get to make movies until they're like, like Arnold's still making shit. He's in his like seventies. You know what I mean? He looks like a like reheated seven <laughs> eleven hot dog at this point, <laughs> especially with the shirt off. Oh yeah, absolutely. He looks yeah, like a reheated, <laughs> like three time, like three day old reheated. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Seven eleven yeah. hot dog. <laughs> It's, it's like just been that, on that rotating grill yeah. for way too long. It's got like it's that orange color too. You know what I mean? Like and like the juice that's coming out of it is that orange color also. You know, like everything is orange. Become separated from the inside of it, and yeah, like you can see the inside, the inside of it actually like rolling inside the skin of it. The skin having been become so well cooked and leathery yep. that it just won't crack. But as soon as you bite into it, it is going to crack and spray hot, hot liquid death into your mouth. It tastes like shit. Yeah, we've all been there. Jesus, I was really taking a beating in this episode, and I don't know why. I was just talking about how much I like Terminator. Anyway, I was actually like, I uh, was definitely seeing some Terminator influence when I was watching The Matrix this time through. No, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, I've seen it in the past, but like for whatever reason, this time in particular, it really like slapped me in the face. But we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. Uh, but first, uh, d- is, was that it? Did I miss anything? Oh, who cares? We're, we're back next week anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if we did, we'll pick it up next week. In that case, we can move on to our Geek of the Week, which is where we describe the nerdiest thing we've done in the past week or so. Mark, what is your Geek of the Week? 
I spent 80 hours replaying Grand Theft Auto V this week. Uh, I don't think I have anything nerdier to discuss aside from that, uh, which just means I've just stalled playing 200 hours of Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, into <laughs> December, which I'll start. I've started now. Like I've gotten into the opening. There's like a five to 10 hour opening segment of Red Dead 2 that kind of got a slog through before it gets into like the actual open world part of it. Mm. And I, uh, yeah, I've been, like well, I've been kind of like, like are you familiar with the controls and all that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, all that shit. So I've been kind of, uh, poking at that, I guess, like the last day or so since I finished Grand Theft Auto. But yeah, I spent like a long time playing Grand Theft Auto this past week on my computer. I was going to say on, on PC. Oh, yeah, I got it running real nice with the 3090 and stuff, like 60 frames, 4K locked. Everything was looking like every, the draw distance is all real out there and pretty and, I mean, it's like a three generation old game now, right? That game came out in 2013. <laughs> so I was hoping I mean, that, like, is, they remastered it somewhat for the re release, didn't they? They re, I'm sure they, they upped it, but it's like a PC game, right? Like, you always just kind of put the settings a little higher and like yeah. hope that it kind of works a little bit better, kind of thing. I know they did some graphical upgrades to the base of the game, and this is based on that upgrade for the PS4 Xbox One version that came mm-hmm. out. And like to be like at this point, we're actually only like three or four months away from the PS5, like native version of it coming out, like the new next gen version of GTA 5. Because like why just like allow the backwards compatible version to run absolutely charge for a new copy of it. Like if you can get away (laughs) with charging for another copy of it, Rockstar, please do. Thankfully, I paid like nine dollars for it on a Steam sale. So whatever. But yeah, that's what I did this week was just like slaughter my way through the story of grand theft auto five once you play it like you kind of get to know the limits of like the gta universe like what you can get away with in terms of like how many pedestrians can die in the course of a mission before like it becomes unwieldy or like you fail or (laughs) how many cops you can just like violently set on fucking fire with a you know whatever just like real life it's like real life yeah uh before they like just send the army after you basically so (laughs) yes like the best is the one where you're like in the city and everything's going like not great but you turn around and you didn't notice that you've gone five star and there's a tank around the corner from you and you just get shot like into the distance and you're like oh i shouldn't have shot that helicopter out of the air i guess earlier oh well you know I live and learn <laughs> i guess so it's all it's all just balancing how much you aggro basically yeah, kind of. It's like how how annoying can the cops get? Because the cops get more and more aggressive the more wanted you are, basically in GTA, yeah, yeah. right? So it's like I can manage. You can manage up to around a three star and still kind of get shit done. But like once you get like to three and above, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. If you're on the you sidewalk, they're gonna run you ears. over. Oh yeah, they're like literally. If you're on the sidewalk, they will like drill into you at a hundred miles an hour in a car <laughs> just to get you like killed to stop the whatever's going on. So I mean, fun. GTA is always fun. This is going to be like the last time I play one until six comes out sometime in 2048. So, <laughs> fair enough. Good times. For me, for my Geek of the Week, when I was in Atlanta, like the very first night that we were there, we did a big karaoke night with a bunch of our friends, including Celia, who we had on the podcast to talk about their costuming work on some like big productions, Marvel stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, we got like a huge room. We just nerded out all over the whole night. Like we were there for like five hours, tons of like musicals, some like muse, some Taylor Swift, some Weezer all over the place. There were people that were like singing the theme songs to anime series, like, but like in Japanese kind of thing. 
like shit like Neon Genesis Evangelion, that kind of thing. Yeah. And fuck. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun, just stress relief, take your mind off shit kind of thing. And something that we could all do safely because everybody was there that was there was vaccinated and the caseloads, thankfully, in Georgia weren't too bad while we were there. So it's been a while. I think I haven't done, I mean, I haven't done karaoke since before we moved back to Toronto. So it's been almost two years at this point. I've done karaoke since I moved out of Toronto. So yeah, it's been about two years or something like that. So it's yeah. been about a year and a bit since I moved out or a year and a half now. So, well, eventually we'll be able to get shit like that going in Toronto. One day. It'd be fun. One day. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't done, yeah, I haven't done karaoke in ages. I miss karaoke. Good times. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, with that, we can move on to our meat of the episode incubating battery meat. Because as we have already mentioned, we are talking about the Matrix this week, the 1999 version original movie directed by the Wachowskis, starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, and I guess kind of Joe Pantoliano. I don't, I don't really consider his role starring, but he's in there. Oh, come on, Joey Pants. <laughs> Joey Pants. Joey Pants? <laughs> come on. <laughs> And our thought was just with the Matrix Resurrections coming out in you know probably a couple of weeks as you're listening to this. Maybe it's already out when you're listening to this. We thought <laughs> we it'd be fun to go back and revisit the original Matrix movie because now, like we said, it's like over 20 years old. Just see you know how it holds up, how it you know what we get out of it watching it this much later. So I mean, what were what was your experience with the Matrix at the time back when it came out? Was this while you were working in the movie theater? I was absolutely working at the movie theater. So like I saw this. It was just a movie that came out the first week it came out. Like it wasn't yeah. a thing the first week, right? So like it came out and we watched it because like I kind of watched everything. Like we had to run film to make sure it was good, right? So yeah. we watched it and I was like, oh, that was pretty cool, man. I don't think it's good. But like I immediately had like I had Johnny Mnemonic stuck in my head, right? Which had mm, flopped yeah. famously, right? So I saw it and was like, oh, that was actually pretty good. But in like a escape from New York kind of way, it's going to flop. Like I didn't think it would do well kind of thing. It was because mm-hmm. it's just too niche. I immediately considered it too sci-fi and niche to do well with a mainstream audience. Like, and this is, this was my professional opinion as an 18 year old usher at the time. I was like, I liked it, <laughs> but like nobody fucking else is going to, wow. Was I fucking wrong? Right. Yeah, but the first exactly. week became a fucking phenomenon. The first weekend I was fucking right though. Cause like yeah. nobody went, nobody was in there the first weekend, Tuesday, cheap night, Tuesday, right the first week because like i went out and kind of word of mouth it a little bit i was like yeah if you guys like are into want, like want a good action movie and you want to look at carrie ann moss and fucking leather go see the <laughs> matrix tight ass leather yeah because like it's pretty good like the act like the like the special effects are good and like it was pretty cool and then like that tuesday i go into work and it's cheap night because it's always cheap night was tuesday nights at cineplex and i think it still is cheap night technically at cineplex yes yeah. across the country from sea to shining sea except you know not america the other, the better country up north of it. Either way, yeah. <laughs> not down to the Gulf of Mexico. Cheap night, right? I get a phone call from one of my buddies who works at Silver City, who works at the other theater, the newer theater in town. We are just sold out of this fucking Matrix. Are you guys running it? And we're like, yeah. He's like, I'm sending like eight fucking truckloads of people to you. So that <laughs> Tuesday night, it sold out, and then it sold out for a week after that. Like from yeah. Tuesday to Tuesday, every show sold out. And I was like, oh. So I was right. It was pretty good. I was wrong about nobody else liking it, but I was right <laughs> in that it was pretty good. Uh, so yeah, like I saw it that week and I actually was like, I was at a movie theater watching the phenomena kind of unfold. But like, yeah, that first weekend, fucking nobody gave a shit. Like 
I watched it twice that weekend because I was just ushering in a theater that was yeah. empty. Like literally in one of the back theaters. It wasn't even like it was in theater one when it came out. I think Star mm. Wars was still fucking running in theater one when the Matrix came out. Uh, oh no, this was earlier than Star Wars. This was, yeah, because uh, yeah, Star Wars came out Christmas 1999. Was it May? Oh yeah, it was May back then. Yeah, so yeah. this came out in March, uh, so earlier in the spring yeah. in uh, 1999 and this then, is like one of the like one of the first big movies that like one of the like what well like from the of the big movies that i opened at the movie theaters one of the first ones that i remember so yeah. like i started when godzilla came out or is it men in black men in black or godzilla like the 98 big yeah. those were the two movies i remember when i first started working at that theater okay and then at the yeah, 99 that summer all those big movies that came out in 99 i was there and like watched the reaction on the floor basically for them like blair witch fuff fight club mm. titanic all this shit and then this one like this was a great one because like yeah nobody gave a shit nobody yeah, i can't remember like i, I remember having seeing the trailers for this and being pretty interested in it because like i was yeah. already big like hardcore sci-fi nerd and so i'm pretty sure i don't know if i saw it like opening weekend but i saw it like pretty early on i think before it really like fucking blew up and became this huge phenomenon that was in theaters forever and made like fucking almost half a billion dollars in 1999 dollars kind of thing. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I was blown away uh, with it when I first saw it. Uh, and yeah, it was just like, this is something special and kind of, and different and unique. And it, it has shit to say and that kind of thing. And I was here for all that. Okay. So you weren't like, you hadn't read some of the comics. So this is like kind of, um, we'll say, <laughs> borrowed borrowing from uh yeah. generously at the at this point yet right so like because i remember sitting down and watching it and also thinking like this is reminiscent of some of the stuff that i had been reading contemporarily basically in my young adults mm. it's just getting into grant morrison slash warren ellis kind of <laughs> no i mean at, at this point at this point in my comic reading i was pretty much like just reading i think pretty much just the superman book this is superhero maybe, stuff maybe okay. maybe maybe like justice society justice league that kind of stuff maybe a bit of green lantern that was about it this is one of those reasons why i like to shout out wizard magazine because it got me reading some weird wonky shit way earlier Mm -hmm. than i would have probably because they were always recommending like you got to check out this grant morrison guy so i was reading invisibles actively when this movie came out and was like um (laughs) motherfuckers um i've just read this comic (laughs) but okay i'm cool it's cool it's cool that it's here yeah, but it's just I, wow. Okay, cool. I think I think that's one of the reasons, and we'll get into this. That you know, sort of why it was so successful was because it ca- it tapped into a lot of those counterculture feelings that were happening at that time. I mean, come uh, which, on, which it a lot of like, those comics were too. Scored by Rage Against the Machine, it absolutely was trying to tap into a specific like mindset that was very yeah. active in the yeah. youth of 1999, uh, <laughs> as which we can comment on like actively. We were 18 <laughs> yes, years old when this fucking we were shit in came the, out. We were in the exact demographic for this fucking Absolutely, movie. yeah. We were like, you guys, they were fucking targeting this horse shit at. Like, Carrie Ann Moss <laughs> and Tight Leather Pants was aimed directly at us, you know? So, yeah. Uh, well, before we go any further, because, you know, we probably got some people out there that have not never seen The Matrix. No, we don't. But just because it's fun. I was actually curious to see if you're going to do this and not just be like, well, if you don't have to, because fucking everybody has seen this movie 400 times. Even girls have seen this movie 400 times because the douchebag guys that they hang out with <laughs> have, have made them watch. You got to watch this genius movie, babe. I've heard it so many times. So but we're still, still going to do, do a recap of the plot just because we have fun doing them. So, Mark, what is the plot of The Matrix? Welcome back to 1999. The world is new. <laughs> 
and shiny and full of promise. We're all of 18 years old, about to graduate high school. It's fantastic. <laughs> Dating a girl way out of my league. Somehow hockey players haven't killed me. It's good times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, in the, it's the spring of 1999. And uh, we're going to watch the fucking Matrix. So here we go. <laughs> Joy Pants and Carrie Ann Moss have a phone call where they gossip about a boy. Is how this movie starts. Yeah. I just like to point out <laughs> over the opening title and credits, which are cool and have that matrix effect. And I would just like to point out that that matrix Code. effect looks like janky horse shit in this movie. Whereas like I watched the sequels also yesterday. I watched all three movies like just in one sitting. Wow. I'm so, so stoned. Oh, I was <laughs> gloriously stoned. Yeah, so the first one is just like, well, I'm high as shit. Might as well, Might just, as well keep just keep going. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. The level of polish between like indifference, but polish between those two movies. Like when you watch mm-hmm. them back to back, it's crazy because what looks like, pixel blur or like artifacting is actually just more matrix code in the background when you get the nicer film stock that they use for the second ones mm. who'd have thought either way joey pants and carrie ann moss are gossiping about a boy <laughs> we cut to cops approaching a building that where we see carrie ann moss is sitting in having just used the phone there this is the opening of the movie looks like a fucking crack house pretty much She's basically, I mean, like everywhere that they go in this movie looks like a crack house. Crack house, like fucking bordello or whatever. (laughs) The the aesthetics of the Matrix are crack house or industrial hell. Super, yeah, exactly. Like super fucking sterile, you know, office environment kind of thing. Yeah, it's either a super sterile, like Richie kind of office environment or like a club where like rich people are that's sterile or you're in some like dank fucking warehouse environment (laughs) that's like infested with rats and your apartment has cockroaches in it and it is bare ass black concrete walls and shit. Yeah, or some like some fucking like goth like club that's we're just like piss all over the floor or something yeah like that it's, like, it's like underneath a train repair depot or some <laughs> shit like that from like given what the sound of that fucking place is anyway <laughs> everything's awful in this world is what i'm trying to we're trying to get at also it's 1999 so everything's way better than it is now i just want to point out that things were actually a lot better <laughs> then than they were we, now we didn't fucking know what we were in for rage against the machine was trying to warn us all kids like wait this is a rant for later in the movie we'll get into this rant later in the movie i'll get there the cops are about to attack uh then what looks like the fbi shows up i'm trying to take this through as though like i haven't seen the matrix seven hundred thousand <laughs> times and studied yeah. it in school oh yeah like, because <laughs> it's a special effects bonanza, right? So, like, any time they're like doing stagecraft, like, here, let's watch this scene from The Matrix where they show you how to do 5,000 different special effects in one shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, Hugo Weaving shows up. Like, he's leading these FBI guys. And, like, I'm going to get this out of the way. Right before Tim does his Lord of the Rings marathon, this is the <laughs> definitive Hugo Weaving role. I will accept. Oh, yeah no other fucking answer to this the dripping disgust that he lets loose in this role oh fucking speech in the end is just 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 chef's kiss brilliant he actually is what makes me get through the sequels like the the way through Mm -hmm. the sequels is to just enjoy hugo weaving despising humanity at a cellular level I love his character in these movies. I know. Because he thinks the same way I do about all of you. It's terrifying. <laughs> I started to realize this time through, I was like, holy shit, I'm like maybe sympathizing with Agent Smith a little more than I should this time around. Because the guy's right. People are a fucking pestilence on this goddamn planet. <laughs> I don't agree with Agent Smith since 1999, Tim. I want to welcome you to the fucking party. I just. <laughs> 
see, this is what happens. I can't even talk about it because, like, like you can't say like because I've been reading Warren Ellis shit. I've been this horrible nihilist since like I was eighteen, <laughs> and it's been here ever since. It's just never gone away. Anyway, we cut back. To, well, so Hugo Weaving, like the cops are like, we, the, our, my guys can take care of this little girl fed guy. Relax your balls. And Hugo Weaving's like, your men are fucking dead already, <laughs> and they are. <laughs> Because Trinity, like, actually gets jumped by these cops, and it looks like they're going to be able to cuff her. But no, she crane kicks one through a fucking wall, and then proceeds <laughs> to beat the shit out of the other four and escape. In the first badass fucking bullet time shot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like the first, and that's like the, one of the most famous ones, like, the that she jumps yeah. up, and then it rotates around her as she hits the, the pinnacle of her jump, and then she kicks the motherfucker into the wall. Don't, yeah. The shit shot. God, she looks good in those pants, too, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> uncomfortable. Anyway... Yeah, so she beats the shit out of all these cops, and they start morphing. We start seeing there's something weird going on here, and if you've seen Dark City before, this effect's going to seem really familiar to you. Mm-hmm. But, like, the cops start turning into the agents in a really, like, or that's kind of freaky manner. Glitchy kind of. Yeah. Kind of glitchy digital manner. Um, but you're just, you're, we still don't know what's going on. I mean, we know what's going on because we've seen this movie 400,000 <laughs> times, but, like, we're assuming you haven't. And again, she gets so at this point, she's really afraid. And like, we're starting to hear dialogue on the phone about like how nobody has ever survived an encounter with a agent, agent. or like been able to fight them one on one. Um, so she escapes. There's that cool dive shot where she's like spinning and like goes through the yeah, tiny little window and shit. Yeah. That I think is really awesome. Uh, she gets to the next phone line because like you escape apparently so far. We don't know, but like she has to get to another phone line to escape for some reason. Yeah, they refer to them as exits. She gets to this phone in a phone booth. The Matrix couldn't even exist past 1999 just because phone booths vanished like the next year. And picks up a hardline phone, which we don't know any of this yet. As Agent Smith drives a dump truck into the phone booth that she's in, he gets out and looks at it. And instead of a bloody pulp in leather pants, he finds nothing except for a trashed phone booth that has been run over. Yeah. Um, So apparently she got out. We don't know. Maybe. Either that or it's PG-13 and they just didn't want to show the horrific corpse that would be the result of that accident. But either way, we cut to Keanu Reeves, who's doing some internet stuff or asleep. I can never remember at the beginning of this movie if he's like, he thinks he's asleep or something like that. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's he's just asleep in front of his like obvious 90s hacker like station kind of thing, right? Yeah, like, that, that ProSync monitor, I had two of those motherfuckers. They were dope. <laughs> very flexible in terms of like input and like resolution and uh refresh rate old crt monitors man if you still have one that works nice hang the fuck onto it because like they're gonna be worth their weight in gold in a couple of years i'm telling you flexible in terms of input is that phrasing that's hey man th- for given this movie i think everybody in this movie is pretty <laughs> flexible in terms of input and i think this movie also caused a lot of people to become very flexible in terms of their inputs <laughs> mentally later on also you know what i mean this is one True. of those movies it's like the first mummy movie where like everybody's super fucking hot and in some way shape or form turns somebody's crank yeah you know what i mean which i mean we'll talk about because like carrie ann moss and leather pants which we have mentioned a couple times <laughs> i don't know if anybody's Already. noticed yeah, yeah. <laughs> either way we'll get to the plot of, of this shit eventually right excuse me anyway so he starts his computer starts to talk to him and tells him to follow the white rabbit and when he it, he doesn't get really get an answer and he freaks out, he's thinking he's imagining things. He probably needs to get some like offline time. I, I can relate to Neo here a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> computers are talking to you. I mean, computers actually do talk to you now, so that's kind of weird. But either way, <laughs> he gets a knock on the door, which he turns to look at. And then like when he gets up and looks back at his screens, they've, it's gone back to normal. So everything's fine again. He answers the door where he's like, 
it's like he's a digital drug dealer. He's like handing out hacker tools like you would hand out meth. Yeah, like outlawed software code or whatever kind of thing. I don't know. Either way, they're talking to him and they're trying to convince his these are his friends. So it's this scummy looking guy and like the hottest girl I've ever seen. Uh, like 1999 oh, yeah. hot girl, you know what I mean? Like that girl yeah. uh, with, the next, with the neck yeah. thing. She's kind of gothy, like, oh, just right up my alley. Uh, in 1999, especially, I'd have been like, yeah, you could leave me anywhere the fuck you want, White Rabbit. Let's go. I'm yeah. on board. <laughs> she convinces him to go along. And it's not like the come hither glance or the fuck me, like, come fuck me eyes that she's giving him. It's the... <laughs> white or rabbit tattoo promise. on her shoulder yeah, or or like her promise of a good time. time yeah oh yeah i will i will go along with that i'd fucking sure. i'd already be i don't have my coat and be on the goddamn way but he's still yeah, being exactly. convinced here i guess i mean to be fair it pays to be fucking keanu reeves you know what i mean like it's true he's a good looking man every woman in this fucking movie because the best part is so we cut to the fucking club he goes to the club he's not even hanging out with them he's standing off by himself drinking a beer like a mopey prick because yeah. he's keanu reeves but he's new but he gets approached by fucking Trinity and her second best outfit of the movie. I was going to rank <laughs> them now who starts to talk to him about the mystery of the matrix and who Morpheus is. And she knows Morpheus and he, she's Trinity. Who is a, he thought was, and this is where the, the hints of the trans stuff that comes, becomes way more prevalent in the other movies comes out first year yeah. where like he thinks Trinity was a man. He's, he's heard stories about Trinity, like doing this badass really hacker, impressive yeah. hacks and shit like that. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had just assumed that Trinity was a dude. So yeah, either way, very much not in those other pants. Carrie and Ross is wearing <laughs> either way. Mark's having a moment. She's so fucking hot in these movies. You know what I mean? Like she looks so good. Anyway, they talk about what the matrix is and she mentions Morpheus I don't know. The blood's rushing away from my processing head. So the next morning, Keanu is late for work. Like he gets speeched at by his boss. Uh, I can, I, I, this is the scene. Like every time I watch this scene, I'm like, I'm never going back to a fucking office and working in a cubicle ever again. And like <laughs> after this week, I was like, look, I watched this scene. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm never fucking doing that ever again. Like it's just not happening. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. Anyway, shit makes me want to strangle somebody. Uh, so he goes back to his cubicle and dear Lord, did the extra, like the existential dread just like boxed me in as he was boxed <laughs> into that fucking cubicle again. Uh, he gets the delivery. That is one of those dope, but pointless snap open Nokia's that everyone wanted after this movie yeah. came out, but nobody actually got one. I never literally never saw one. No, in the I, real I never saw, I never saw a single person with one of those fucking no, phones. No, I remember people like hunting them down. Like, it's like, it's like kind of more, easy to come by in Australia. Like they were common in Australia where they shot this movie. And that's why they became kind of like a thing. And the whole reason for that snap thing isn't actually, it doesn't do anything. It's just a plastic box that keeps dust out of the speaker grill, I guess is that's the whole fucking point of it was because Australia, it's a desert. You know what I mean? And they're all criminals. Just so we're clear. The Simpsons taught me a lot about that. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay. I don't think we have any Australian listeners. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had like an Australian listener? Like those guys who do that podcast is exactly like ours, also listen to us for some reason. Just like I listen to them and they listen to us. One of them. It would be fucking funny. Anyway, yeah, so he gets speech at by his boss and he goes to the cubicle and he gets the phone. I love I do love the the phone's like kind of iconic. Either way, Morpheus yeah. is on the other line and Lawrence Fishburne's dulcet tones start coming out of the phone um, and explains to him that the agents uh, from the other night are there and they're after him and he sees them. And a little cat and mouse game starts in the office as Morpheus kind of phone guides Keanu to an escape. 
until Keanu. I think this is where he stalls out and gets caught because he can't like do the jump or something like that. Or he's got to like, yeah, he he well, he drops the phone right, and then yeah, he loses yeah, yeah. his fucking gumption, and then he goes back in. The agents catch him. Yeah, so Keanu gets interrogated by the agents. Um, they torture him, and like then that this is where the no mouth thing, where like you can you find out the agents can also like affect reality around them, so like they can yeah. make his mouth disappear. Um, and eventually, in a very 1999 scene, because there's a scene in Fight Club that's pretty similar, where like they're gonna cut his dick off and stuff like that, where they grab mm-hmm. Keanu and throw him down on the table. I'm like, what is it with this this scene in 1999 movies where it's like we're gonna grab the guy and fucking pants him? Yeah, do do some body horror shit to him. There's some weird shit going through the fucking air in 1999. I'm telling you guys, we should like do like a like a a series of like just watch movies from that that year and see like what kind of weird yeah, shit we was should, going through. We like, should totally do Fight Club sometime. Fucking oh, love Fight that Club. Movie too. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, like we'll a f- fucking formative movie for me. Uh, see, I. I came to that really easily because like Fincher had already done seven at that point. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was a big fan I did, of seven. Yeah, I'd already seen seven too. And I'd seen seven. So I was kind of on board with uh, fight club <laughs> going into it, but either way, that's neither here nor there. Like, right. So they got him down on the table and then they inject the fucking tracking robot into his gut yeah. and he passes out and he wakes up at home as if nothing happened. Like he's checking himself out when the phone rings and it's Carrie Ann Moss uh, or Trinity. I guess we can call her now. We know her name. It's not just <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss. Um, and she wants to meet. So her and her friends take Keanu into a car and they hold him at gunpoint while they explain, start to like kind of explain what's going on with the matrix and like the agents and like the thing that's in his gut. And he's like, fuck this. I'm out. Fuck you guys are nuts and fuck this freaky horse shit. I don't want anything to do with you guys. But eventually they like kind of hold him down when he realizes that that thing's actually inside him. And they use this fancy like steampunk looking thing to vacuum this fucking buggy bug looking, I don't know, robot thing out of his gut tracking chip or whatever. It's like the biggest tracking chip I've ever seen. That thing's like, <laughs> it's like as big as his arm for some reason to, like, to track him. It's impro- <laughs> impossibly large for, for no reason. Uh, Either I mean, way. We'll, we'll find out soon that none of this shit is fucking real anyway. So yeah, it doesn't so. really matter how small or big it is. Cause That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah, so they get the thing out of him and then they take him to meet Morpheus. So we finally get to meet Morpheus. He's the most badass motherfucker you've ever seen in your goddamn life. And he is like, he's the orange fish burn in a purple pimp suit. Like yeah. he is a god in this movie, basically. Exactly. Like Horace Fishburne is, like yeah, he's he 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 could walk on the screen and be like, "I am your Lord God," and you'd be like, "I accept this," because he looks so fucking good in this movie. Like every scene he's in, he looks dope, and he's got that voice going on. Oof, Horace Fishburne, yeah. rock and roll. Like I said, somebody had a sexual experience or an awakening because of every character in the in the Matrix at some point. I'm just trying to get that across here, including Agent Smith. That might have been me just because like his dis- like just disdain for humanity. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. he felt a spiritual connection to Agent I, Smith. I was like, I fuck it. That works for me. Yeah, exactly. Like a spiritual, like a spirit animal kind of connection to Agent Smith. <laughs> Parasite disease. I love it. Um, either way. So we, we get to kind of find out what the Matrix is like the we, we find the back. We don't get the entire backstory yet, but we find out that this is a system that are in. It's a simulation. And it, now he gives Neo the choice of like the famous choice of taking the red pill or the blue pill to stay in. It's the blue pill to stay in the red pill to exit, right? Yeah. Red pill. Yeah. yeah, gets so, you out. Yeah. Take the red pill or the blue pill. And obviously Neo takes the red pill and touches the mirror and the mirror starts to eat him in that effect. That was the first time where I was like, Oh yeah, that effect's not holding up well, as nicely yeah. as I would have liked it too. But all right, cool. So it looks okay. Ish for 1999. And once the mirror is done kind of consuming him, he blanks out and then he wakes up again. But this time he's in a weird fucking Geiger looking pod. 
and yeah. he's got no hair and he is connected to a bunch yeah, of Borg bunch looking of cables sticking out of me. Yeah, very Borg. <laughs> and he is in the pink slime from Ghostbusters 2 and it is very <laughs> un- unpleasant looking. Seen as just a recreation of like all of pop culture from the past 15 years. Got the Ghostbusters goop, the the Geiger fucking pods and everything. Yeah, it's got like aliens in the background. It's got Borg stuff with the connection tubes. It really is like a collection of sci-fi body horror moments from the past like like, decade. This like Star Wars, like uh, fucking probe droids and shit like that flying around. Even that. Yeah, there's a little bit of like that kind of Star Trek-y like, yeah, and like the even the, the the way the tubes like connect to them kind of look more like the prosthesis joints in Star Wars and Star Trek, like when they have like the special attachments yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. They're more like blah. either way, they look nasty. Everything looks gross. <laughs> yeah, they look uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, everything looks uncomfortable. At this point, though, like he's he gets flushed basically, right? Because he's been awakened by like whatever like the tracking program that they infected him with in his brain has come out into the real world. If this is the real world, and we can get into that later. <laughs> And then, like, spit him out of the matrix. Woke him up out of the matrix. And then woke him, uh, his, his real body up. up, his mind up in the real world out of the matrix. And now yeah. he has been dumped by these, which I was like, they kind of contradict themselves here. Because at one point he says, like, they would just use the dead to feed the living. Why would they not just slurry him and feed him to his neighbors? I think that's what they were going to do when they dump him out in the waste, like, tube or whatever, right? Fair. Okay. Either way, uh, he is picked up by a uh, one of those claw machine things that's human sized. <laughs> yeah, from Toy Story with the aliens. Yeah, out of some really disgusting looking water that he definitely got a staph infection from. <laughs> oh yeah, especially with all those fucking like holes and ports in his fucking body. Like, and he's never been exposed to anything before. Think about how <laughs> fresh and delicate his baby skin is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ugh, nasty. So he gets brought up into a ship. And we get the prerequisite flashes of like, we start to see the people that he was talking to in the matrix through like Viggy. I'm waking up and having flashes of them, but they look really scuzzy and da, 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 until he wakes up properly outside of the matrix. Yeah. And like Morpheus has to explain to him that like, he won't be able to move because he's never used those muscles for real. And they're doing and stuff to eyes, him. His eyes hurt because he's never yeah, used his, them. And his eyes are killing him because he's never really used them before. And all this other stuff. Like he's never he's never breathed real air before. Blah 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 blah. All this stuff. Like so like, like he has to go through this wake up process, basically. So he finally wakes up and yeah, he's on the Nebuchadnezzar on a very dead future Earth. Not in nineteen ninety-nine. More like I think mean, what did he say, like twenty eight hundred? Twenty one ninety nine. Twenty one ninety nine? Two hundred years, yeah. Two hundred uh, years in the future. That makes sense. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then uh they it starts to like tell them that like the I don't remember, like there's so much this is where like the exposition dump from hell happens in terms of like yeah. the backstory from the like they, he's like they explain to him like we can use the jack that you have in your brain to dump information into you, which means we can train you to do Kung Fu and stuff like that real fast. So I'm like bring you into like training simulations and shit like that. So he immediately brings him into a simulation where he gives him the big expo dump where he gives him the, the backstory from Terminator, yeah, uh, where the, which is like, <laughs> I remember watching this in the theater and just being like, how do they get away with that? So, so that was judgment day, right? When the, yeah. <laughs> when they like smirked, when they like scorch the sky to stop the fucking uh, robots from, you know, using solar power. And <laughs> I have a legit fucking like vivid memory because we screened this, right? Like it wasn't like a, a public screening. It was just me and like some of the yeah. ushers. Right. And I remember turning to Vetus, my buddy, Brian, and like being like, 
how the fuck did they get away with just stealing the backstory right out of Terminator? I remember saying that to him while we were watching the movie and him just shaking his head and being like, you think anybody's going to notice? Everybody yeah. noticed eventually, well, just I mean, but they got away with it. It's yeah. fine. It's just that the it's way it's also the way one it of those things that's been like kicking around in like oh, yeah, sci-fi yeah, yeah. novels and shit like that for years and years, even before that. It's so. just it was so blatantly like the same fucking like beat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah it's, it's it's. I mean, it all goes back to like the Asimov books and like the iRobot yeah, and the Robot yeah, Wars yeah. and all that oh, that yeah. sort of shit. Like all this stuff's like you know humans versus AI spins out of that. You know, it all has its roots in there. Still on the side, the computer. I'm on the computer side, just so we're all. <laughs> there you know either way so we get into the ne- the world of the nebuchadnezzar now and like i can't call him neo that's why i keep calling him keanu <laughs> so keanu neo they think especially they think he's the one like uh, morpheus convinced his crew that he is like the chosen one so like they start jack- like jacking him into their training programs and he's he takes to the matrix right like the training kung fu stuff very quickly very naturally to the point where like they him and morpheus get into a sparring match that shockingly almost goes his way on his first time out and doesn't quite get there. But like you could tell a couple times that he surprises Morpheus. Like Morpheus wasn't expecting yeah. him to be able to like throw down that hard right away. And everybody else is like watching and very impressed with what he's able to do, considering yeah. he's new to all this shit and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's all fucking, it's all chosen one narrative. It's all chosen one narrative stuff, which is like my biggest problem with this movie at this point. It's just that it's <laughs> like that writ large. And then all the more interesting characters, like everybody else in the movie is a more interesting character than him, basically, <laughs> as a result of that. Either way. So, yeah, he, they have the, the thing. And like at the end of the fight, Morpheus is like, I'm going to try something. And he gives him the jump sequence, which is like a, two very like equally tall skyscrapers that are like, like half a mile apart. Like shit. half a mile apart. <laughs> And Morpheus jumps them very clearly, like superhero style jumps them, just like one foot, like hops kind of thing between the two of them. And he explains to like Neo that like if he's the one, he should be able to just do it, right? And Neo gives it his fucking best shot, but he does not do it, and he fucking falls. He fucking eats it, yeah, and he eats shit. Uh, So everybody's like, oh, maybe he isn't the one. But like, either way, so now we've done all the exposition, and we know that he is the one we've done and like that fight scene man that fight scene is fucking iconic like the the kung fu between the the two guys like all that shit dojo scene i fucking love that yeah like and it's clearly like those two guys having trained like a million years to do the kung fu themselves i do find the 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 chop sake style like kung fu stuff given the style of combat that is used more prevalently in movies now it feels really lightweight and like non-contacty compared to like even like a couple years later, you would get into those Bourne movies that are very much like just Matt Damon beating the ever loving piss out of everybody, yeah. like in close quarters and like tossing elbows down and shit. And like, that's a lot like scrappier. Like, I, th- this is yeah. supposed to be a little more like crazy, whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like more, more artful kind of fighting, right? It's, it's so more much of this it. became like influential. And then so much of it went away really quick when that style of like, Oh, we're gonna do like everything grimy and like even Chris Nolan and Batman. Like it stops, it stops becoming kung fu. Batman, oh, yeah. it starts there's, becoming more like CQC, like yeah. like he's grinding guys and like more. using traps. <laughs> yeah, and by shit. the time you get to Nolan, Nolan Bat, you're like fucking like doing ultimate fighting championship. That's fighting yeah, that's what I mean. Thing. Like doing more yeah. like the Krav Maga kind of like yeah. yeah UFC style fighting that you would see more in like modern stuff or like Daredevil, where it's yeah. become more just like a straight up like brawl mm-hmm. kind of thing uh, as opposed to being like as fancy this is fun to watch obviously it's just that it's such a weird 
like it's a very different kind of style of con- like thing to watch versus what mm-hmm. we get that other stuff all the time now. Like that's all you get. This is different now. So at this point, Morpheus, nobody knows what to do. Morpheus believes he's the one, but Keanu isn't so sure. And someone called the Oracle had told Morpheus that he would be, he would find the one. And also like we'll find out later, told Trinity that she wouldn't fall in love with the one. And she yeah. apparently having already probably seen him naked and knows what his dick shape is, has decided that she likes Keanu's dick shape better than Joy Pants' dick shape. So she's leaning towards him. Uh, Joy Pants, realizing that like the woman he's in love with is now actively going after Keanu Reeves and realizing the futility of his existence at that point, which I mean, yeah, fair. That sucks. You know, Keanu Reeves is <laughs> a better looking man than you, Joy Pants. Yeah, you're a little troll of a man. Yep. Yep. You'd be awesome in the Sopranos in a couple years though. You know, like just weird, with weird facial hair. And a weird voice too. I always like the way his delivery is just like Joy. Nobody talks like Joey Pants. You know what I mean? Like nobody <laughs> talks like Joey Pants. So I really liked him in uh, Memento. He was really good. He's good in Memento. He's good in Daredevil, actually. He plays Ben Ulrich yeah. in the Daredevil movie, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. And he may be one of the better parts of that movie. There's not a lot of good in that movie. Take much. <laughs> no, but he is he's a good actor, man. I like Joey Pants. He was he's like amazing in the Sopranos. So good in the Sopranos. Joey Pants started acting weird, and we see him making a deal with an agent to get reinserted into the Matrix in exchange for selling out the escaped humans who are living in Zion. We never see Zion in this movie, which I think is interesting. They talk about Zion a lot, but we don't get to see Zion until the sequel. They never go I, don't to think, Zion. I don't think Zion was in the budget for this movie. No, they talk about it a lot. Yeah. talk about it a lot anyway morpheus takes neo into the matrix simulation with the red lady to explain the dangers before they go on into the real matrix and have their little oracle excursion i the red lady thing is weird where he's like the, the little mouse guy like, yeah like we're gonna have he's trying to pepper out and be pepper, like hey yeah you can do whatever you want to her because she's not real it's like that's creepy yeah they did all this shit better in star trek when they did it on deep space nine with the holodecks yeah, like that, the hollow sweets. Sweets, yeah. I mean, yeah. but this this topic was kind of handled in there a little bit more elegantly. Yeah. I mean, it's Star yeah, Trek, so obviously it's going to be handled with a little more thought than some like chop socky action movie. You know what I mean? Obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I understand. Don't write letters is what I'm trying to say. I don't care. <laughs> in, in Deep Space Nine, where we started to get allusions to the idea that it's somebody's job to clean up the fucking hollow sweets after somebody like just absolutely decimates them with bodily fluids. I mean, like when Lower Decks confirmed that, I realized that like Nog and Rom had a good reason to hate Quark. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean? like a fucking really good alien, reason to hate. Like, like just hate him. Yeah. You imagine alien jizz. Who knows? I was going to say, like, who knows what acids. kind of alien jizz they had to fucking mop up? This is the jizz mopper sequence. Yeah. from fucking Clerks all over again in hell, like in hell, because <laughs> you're on Deep Space Nine, right? <laughs> you don't know how like toxic Cardassian jizz is. Yeah. <laughs> She could eat through the fucking hall. You don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Morpheus takes Neo to the Matrix simulation. Or sorry, actually takes Matrix. Oh, oh my god! Let me start that whole fucking sentence again. <laughs> Morpheus takes Neo into the Matrix proper now, though, to see the Oracle. At the Oracle, we meet the kids who can bend the spoons, which is another famous scene from this movie. Yep. One of those CG spoons. The Oracle tells Neo that he isn't the one, but basically flat out is just like, "Nah, you ain't him, kid. I mean, you got some juice, but..." You're not the guy. But then she does the little throwaway, like, oh, maybe you're waiting for your next life or something. Yeah. There's that little cast off joke was like, maybe there's something you're waiting for. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. We knew it's horseshit also because the rest of the cast is far too unrelatable to be the star of this movie in 1999. (laughs) 
It's a woman in a black turns, man. It turns out Joey Pants is the one in the end. <laughs> it wouldn't be a woman or a black man in 1999, Tim. It's it not possible. So he leaves and tells them what she said. And of course, no one fucking believes it. But on their way to the escape like phone, the escape phone sounds weird when you say it. The escape phone, you know, it's like <laughs> the exit, the exit. Yeah, they call it the exit. Neo has deja vu, which is a sign in the Matrix that the Matrix has been altered and has been reset for certain things, yeah. which they find out that the building, that their exit has been boxed in with bricks because the kid who built the electronic prostitute uh, is sitting upstairs looking at pictures of her, <laughs> jerking off the pictures off. of her. <laughs> I just like, don't, if you jerk to your own art, I don't, I've never jerked to my own art. You know what I mean? I can draw <laughs> literally anything, Tim, like literally anything from imagination. And I've never like drawn something so amazing that I was like, you know what I want to do right now? Jerk off on it. I've never <laughs> jerked off to my own like art. And technically he created that woman. That's she's his art and he's jerking off all over it. It's disrespectful. I, I know to some art, artists. Right? I know some artists that would probably jerk off onto their art though. I do too. And they disgust me. <laughs> Oh, let's, be let's be honest. There's some art that I've jerked off to. I mean, never mind. Whatever. <laughs> mouse, Not mouse your own, though. Not as your as own, <laughs> goddamn it, is what I'm trying to get at. Watching this movie as like an 18 year old in 1999, like I think Mouse was probably the character that either of us could probably relate to the most. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Keanu, like hot, <laughs> fucking horny, fucking like horny teenager, basically. Yeah, it wasn't like hot, god looking fucking uh, Morpheus or uh, Keanu Reeves, right? Yeah, not yeah, at exactly. all. Exactly. They were just making us feel inadequate, inadequate. in every fucking way. <laughs> and I was a six foot five motherfucker by this time we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I was a giant dude by the time we got to this. Like at 18, I was, yeah, I was six foot five, like 250 or something like that. Like I was a giant motherfucker by this point. So <laughs> either way. So this is where chaos ensues, right? Like the ma- they've realized that there's a glitch in the matrix and like the agents are coming after them. Uh, they get into the, like the building that they're in has a wet wall that they break into so they can get back down and escape past the cops and agents that are now like attacking them. Some dust gets into Joy Pants' mouth and he keeps coughing can't stop fucking coughing and a cop notices the sound that he get like they get into a firefight and neo shoots the cop but the cop dead cop turns into an agent and when he attacks neo morpheus goes into like fucking hulk out mode and flies at the fucking agent through the wall beats the shit out of the agent but it kind of gets the shit kicked out of him as he like orders trinity to get neo the fuck out of there like everybody the fuck out of there we missed the whole reason why the agents were able to find them, which is because Joey Pants has like betrayed them. I was just going to come back. I was going to come back around to that because like because okay. we, well, we, we already had talk- that scene where where uh, he's talking. Did to I not say that? Did about- I see the- I said the scene where like he he's oh, he's, he's already right. he's already yeah. talked to them. Yeah. So like all this is happening because Joey Pants is like uh, turned them in because he gets away here, right? Like they get separated and he yeah. escapes and gets out and gets to the like gets escapes the Matrix and is back into the real world all of a sudden while the others are kind of trying to catch up. Um, what happens is when they catch up and get to the phone, uh, Joy Pants is already out, and he kills... It's Dozer and... Shit, I can't remember the other character's name. And I didn't write Tank. it down. Tank. So Tank and Dozer are brothers who are not born in the Matrix. I think Mouse yeah. wasn't born in the Matrix either, right? Like, they're all au natural kind of people. I don't know about Mouse. I, I assume Mouse wasn't, but I know Tank and Dozer weren't. Yeah. But Tank and Dozer weren't. And because they're uh, they're black men in this movie, they get killed. Like, pretty well, brutally, Dozer does. actually, Tank right now. Does. Does he make it out of this? Because we never well, see him again. Tank's the one that tanks the one that survives helps Joey Pants survive, right? Yeah, but like 
Does or he survive? Kills, kills Joey Pants. But we never see him again, is what I'm trying no, to get No, he's never in any of the other movies. We end up seeing their sister in the next movie, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming he yeah. died. Probably. After, Eventually. like, from Just off screen wounds. or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But, like, of his wounds down the road kind of thing. Like, Maybe. poor guy. Maybe they do tell us later on that. I don't know. It doesn't matter, one way or the other. Both the black guys get really fucked up here by Joey Pants. Yeah. And then he walks behind the uh, switch and the other dude, whose name I can never remember. Apoc. Uh, Apoc. And he pulls their, the cable that connects them to the Matrix out of the back of their head, like out of the base of their skull. And that kills you because like your brain is in the Matrix yeah. through the wire. And that like that disconnection kills you instantaneously. So he kills Switch and Epoch like that. And he's threatening to kill Neo just when Tanker Dozer, I can never remember which one is which. He's really testing fate there, right? Because he's like, well, if like you're the one, then uh, I won't well, be able to do this, right? I mean, he's, and, like, <laughs> he's, he's a real d bag too, because like first he sexually assaults Carrie Ann Moss in her chair, and then he oh, sexually yeah, well, assaults. She can't do anything. While while he's got like her mind on the phone, basically. Yeah. Right. Also, <laughs> right. He's talking to her mind that can't control her body. It's really. It's a very strange. Actually, that's an interesting. That seems interesting from a writing perspective when you think about like the angles that you're dealing with at that point. He then yeah. also sexually assaults uh, Morpheus by sitting in his lap too. It's really weird. It's true. You know what I mean? That's kind of uncomfortable. Shouldn't do that to another grown man. <laughs> Either way, he gets shot while he's tempting fate, talking about like killing uh, Neo, and whichever one of them it is, it's Tank or Dozer. Tank, tank, tank is the one that yeah. Tank that survives. Uh, tank gets Neo and Carrie Ann Moss out of the Neo and Trinity. <laughs> Calling them their real names. <laughs> Neo and Trinity out of the Matrix at this point because now like their crew's been fucking basically cut in half. Joy Pants is dead. Because he's been cooked like inside out by their electricity gun. Yeah, or whatever the hell that like thing is. halfway across the fucking ship. Yeah, and like, yeah, he's basically part of the bulkhead now. He's been like burned into the bulkhead. So that was pretty cool. Morpheus and the agents have dialogue, including the amazing humans are scum speech from Agent Smith that may be the finest performance that Hugo Weaving has ever committed to film. And he should have yep. gotten an Oscar for that speech. I'm sure he's gotten an Oscar nod, at least for something else that he's done in his long, long story mm. career. You not get one for Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? That feels like one of those movies that he would have oh, gotten maybe. some kind of nod for. Either yeah. way, he should have got it for this, because this is the best fucking speech in the history of film it's right here. fantastic. Yeah. Just like, he hates humans, and they're scum, and they are like a disease that is infecting the planet. And I feel that deeply. And I'm like, God damn it, Agent Smith, just... You're, you're just, fucking right. <laughs> you're so right. It's just like Thanos, you know what I mean? Yeah. I gotta stop agreeing with the villains of these movies it's certain like <laughs> color our reviews of them because at the end i'm like well the bad guy's right so two out of ten because <laughs> like that's <laughs> sucks either way uh so they have this this is the best dialogue in the movie uh it's probably, like, i mean other the dialogue's amazing in this movie or terrible for that matter it's all pretty serviceable but this is like a good exchange here neo and trinity decided they have to free morpheus they load up on guns and bring a friend trinity and neo attack the building this is where we have famous lobby massacre scene where they walk in mm-hmm. with trench coats and bags just filled with yeah. guns. And spy break plays and uh, anything you could possibly want to help kill a bunch of cops. Eventually, like, they get into a, a, the elevator and they blow up the elevator and they use the cable to like zip line up and they end up on a balcony where they get into a firefight with an agent and Neo does like the agent does the zip kind of like dodge thing special effect and then he shoots at neo and neo does the bend backwards slow-mo special effect yeah we get to, we find out later that like trinity's like how did you do that like 
you're starting to channel your oneness or something. <laughs> <laughs> they end up on a balcony. Uh, I said they take over a helicopter and use the attached minigun to attack because they literally get. And again, back to the Terminator 2 references where like they have a minigun in the yeah. <laughs> penultimate scene of this movie, basically. Right. Uh, they use a minigun to kind of like dispatch and scatter the agents that are surrounding Morpheus. And just as Keanu realizes that Morpheus isn't going to make the jump and jumps at Morpheus to catch him because Keanu, like Morpheus has been shot in the leg as he's been running to jump and all this other shit's going on. He catches him and they fall and Trinity flies away, but agent Smith gets a couple shots off and the plane's going to go or the helicopter's on a plane. The helicopter's going to go down. <laughs> and just as it's going down, Keanu grabs the cable. He was on with Morpheus and braces himself just in time for Trinity to shoot the other end of it off and not literally just shit. bisect him because otherwise he would have just been cut in fucking half. I don't care how one <laughs> he was or not at that point. Grabs the cable he was on and braces himself just in time for Trinity to shoot the end then off and jump out. So he saves her as the helicopter does that weird ripple glass shot that I really don't think is aged particularly well. Yeah, that was one that stuck out to me. I mean, it's it's a weird one though because like it's I mean, it's I obviously it's supposed, supposed to, look supposed like to that? be realistic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's supposed to be like the Matrix like doesn't know what the fuck to do with this. So it's just going to show it like this kind of thing. But like the real world absolutely has examples of helicopters flying into buildings and exploding and not having weird ripple effects. <laughs> but why would why anybody would bother switch? to program that into the Matrix? Like, presumably, they don't think that there's ever going to be a situation in the matrix where a fucking helicopter flies into a building. They programmed it in the grand theft auto. <laughs> that was, that came out after the matrix. <laughs> Did it? The original <laughs> ones might've come out before the old 2d ones may have come out <laughs> earlier than that. Either way. I don't know if you could steal helicopters in grand theft auto two. I can get to wait till three, maybe even vice city. We don't know. Either way, they escape to a subway <laughs> platform with one homeless man, which is, I mean, this is 1999. So there's only one homeless man. <laughs> much fucking lower than it would be today probably the payphone rings and they send morpheus out neo and trinity finally start having the i love you conversation that has been plaguing this movie since the beginning while the phone is ringing and neither of them are paying attention to it just get the fuck out of the matrix at this point you have just committed like you're at five stars in gta guys like they're fucking coming for you have this conversation <laughs> outside the goddamn matrix anyway she picks up the phone just as the homeless man turns into agent smith and blows the phone into pieces. So Keanu can't escape. Neo can't escape. This is the point where like instead of time, instead of running, he's like, no, I'm going to man up and I'm going to fight this motherfucker. So it's face off time. Like Tim said, and they have the fucking big knockout brawl of the first Matrix movie. They beat the shit out of each other. Eventually, Keanu comes out on top after he hits the other guy with the train. That's how it ends, right? Is the train hit? Yeah, yeah, that's how he kills uh, kills Smith. Agent Smith. But then Agent Smith just fucking possesses somebody inside of the train car yeah. and comes right back. And then Neo's like, I'm "Not doing that fucking shit again." I'm out. Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, Neo takes off and like goes to the next exit because you know he now has the position of the next exit available to him. Which somehow. is the first exit. Yeah. Right. Oh, he's going. Yeah, go back to the first exit to get out. Right. That's right. Now the cops have left. Anyway, so he's going back to the first exit. He gets there just as like all the agents show back up. But at this point, he like, they start shooting at him. And wait, does he die? He dies at some point. This is where he, he dies. Yeah, because he because Agent Smith um, circles around yes, uh, rather right. than chasing him. So he gets into the room where the uh, phone is. But Agent Smith just fucking like shoots him a bunch right of times. Chest. Yeah, yeah. Right in the chest rather than like trying to chase him. Trinity 
speaks to Neo's dead corpse or whatever the fuck is going on with his body yeah. <laughs> on the table in the real world, quote unquote, real world. And through the power of love, she talks Neo into surviving and he comes back full of oneness, goodness, one goodness, <laughs> superpowers sure. now. We'll go with that. He gets up and the agents realizing that like the guy stood up from being shot 12 times, all unload a clip on him, which he stops with his new found brain one powers. If this is the word the scene where he picks one of the bullets out and like looks at it, right? And then like lets them drop. And then he mm-hmm. jumps into Agent Smith in like this is the kind of one of those effect shots that isn't super great and causes Agent Smith to like explode into chunks of green like digital something or other. Matrixy shit. The other two agents do the uh comedy, make eye contact with each other, look at, at what happened incredulously, and then run off yeah. camera kind of shot. This. <laughs> yeah, fuck this shot. And Keanu does the super flex. But it, they do the the it, he's so powerful the fucking it forces the lens like the light to bend basically like you see like a lens no bending. it's it's he's breathing like it, it, it's the whole like you know breathing are you are you really breathing air and that sort of thing and it brings he's like making the world around him deform with his actions kind of thing either way he's so powerful you can like deform the world and like bend light around him differently and shit so yeah. it's cool you see it like the lens effect happens yeah so then it cuts. And in the background, a very familiar guitar riff starts to play as Neo walks up to a phone and starts to have a conversation about a bunch of nonsense that doesn't really make any sense because I don't really know who he's supposed to be talking to. Sounds like he's talking to the Matrix itself, which makes no sense when he actually gets to the sequels. Or the agents or whatever. Or the agents or somebody. But either way, basically telling them that they're not as much of a threat to him anymore as they used to be because now he can fly. So he fucking flies away and that's the end of the movie as Rage Against the Machine, Calm Like a Bomb, fully fucking kicks in. No, it's it's wake up. Oh, it was right, right, it's specifically for this. Yeah. It's wake up for this song. This one, "Come Like a Bomb," is the sequel movies. Basically, yeah. that's right. Use "Come Like a Bomb" in the other two movies. Yeah, that's right. Wake up, and that's the end of the first Matrix movie. Things go downhill from here. <laughs> that's fair. All right, so that is the plot of the original Matrix movie. Um, I mean, I, we've already kind of given top level thoughts. I mean, for me, this is just. One of those movies where right from like the Warner logo, those opening horn swells, I just have that instant feeling of knowing that I'm in for a treat. Like I, I'm going to enjoy, you know, be just fucking entertained like crazy, but I could also sit down and like really, you know, have a thinky on it as well. And, you know, get a lot out of it on a deeper level too. Um, and also just one of those movies that, I mean, it's one of those ones where it's, what the fuck can we say about it? That hasn't already be said. This movie has had an obvious fucking massive, lasting impact on pop culture in general on filmmaking all that kind of stuff yeah you can kind of like delineate filmmaking to like pre-matrix and post-matrix almost at least like blockbuster filmmaking for sure yeah Yeah. this is definitely this one this was a big deal uh when it came out just in terms of like the way movies were made and like the special effects contained therein kind of thing and like the big transition to digital finally happening you know what i mean like finally like paying off the cgi promise of jurassic park and stuff like that like whole hog right in picture kind of thing yeah absolutely like the like probably the big because this is the same year that episode one happened too so it was like these two big Mm -hmm. big special effects movies that were very like all right guys it doesn't matter if the silicon that we have is not quite up to the fucking task yet we are just going to do everything digitally now like everything cg yeah yeah. we're just going whole hog into it even if it's going to be 20 years before we should actually be ready to do this stuff or have the fucking like equipment to do it properly yeah, um, but like this is all new technology, man. Like they they created shit for this movie and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, like the the bullet time shots, like that is just fucking revolutionary shit that is commonplace these days. Like you mm-hmm. see that shit in TV shows and stuff now. So I, I strongly what TV recommend shows. You see that shit in fucking YouTube videos now. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's such true. a commonplace, like easy to build, like special effect that people want to see. That like yeah. you can you can ba- it's like part of fucking like whatever the Apple equivalent of like the movie equivalent of GarageBand is basically has yeah. that fucking circle like like the lock camera circle effect that iMovie or whatever yeah iMovie yeah sure yeah. has probably has that effect or a version of that effect or a way to fake that effect in it somehow or another kind of thing yeah just AI that effect kind of thing yeah, yeah. fuck now it would just be AI absolutely <laughs> it's amazing right. I still even can get jobs you know what I mean like everything's just AI now <laughs> who needs a fucking illustrator designer when you can just have a computer do it I guess but for that reason, like how much of an impact this movie had on filmmaking, general effect shots, that kind of thing. I strongly recommend the special features on the DVDs of this movie. It is so cool watching how they did a lot of these shots, like the rigs that they fucking built for those yeah. bullet time shots and that kind of thing are so fucking impressive and neat. What was that you just said? Did you see DVD? What the fuck? Well, was it DVD, <laughs> DVD Blu-ray. That's what I still have these on. I did watch a, a 1080 copy for this watch through, but I'd have the box set of the Matrix movies that includes like the Animatrix and all the special features and all that shit. I picked up the 4K for this, like just so we can yeah. watch the. Nah, I didn't. Well, my problem with the 4Ks is like a lot of the time they're not bringing the special features and shit over to that, or at least like a very yeah. limited selection of them, kind of thing. Because like the quality on them isn't enough that like, it would just look like shit on a 4K player, kind of thing. Everything looks like shit on a 4K screen these days. You know, like, it's kind of like the the point. <laughs> Unless it's 4K, it actually it doesn't look great. So uh, yeah, that, that transition from uh, 480 to 1080 was not as big as the transition from. Uh, 480 to 2160p is kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's a lot of pixels to fill. Anyway, yeah. Um, let's see. Where do we get started with this? I, I I always am very impressed with you know we've talked a lot about effect shots and that, and I'm sure we'll talk more about them. But I'm always impressed with the layers to this movie, just in terms of the commentary on online and and virtual worlds kind of thing, which was just really starting to become a thing when this movie came out, like, you know, people having those entirely different personas in their online life than they do in their real life, just identity, the whole simulation versus reality, the ideas of like predestination and fate and that sort of thing. And just sort of in general, how we experience and interact with the world around us in our daily lives kind of thing. There's just a lot that you can unpack from this. And I mean, there's been a ton of fucking like analysis papers and pieces and shit that have been made about this movie over the years that you can pull that kind of stuff in. But so you're almost right early on when you were like, what else do you say about this movie? Cause I'm almost like, I'm at a loss for like, what do I say that is, new or insightful or not just personal opinion about like the matrix where it's one of these things where like goddamn like everybody's seen this movie everybody's written or thought i like, had some kind of thought based on this movie i always look at it as like all the weird thought that kind of like accumulated in pop culture kind of finally like stuff like when it bubbles to the surface i find it interesting and the matrix is one of those moments where like all that weird kind of like counterculture alien digital information all this kind of like online weirdness that had been kind of permeating culture in the 90s like stuff like the x-files and like we were seeing the invisibles like with grant morrison's writing all that kind of stuff sci-fi mm-hmm. at the time was very like paranoid and kind of had leaned very much into the cyberpunk side of things like the online world was very like 
interesting, obviously, to authors and like writers at the time. So it was coming mm-hmm. up a lot in like science fiction and comic books and stuff like that. But like seeing it like perkle up to the surface and become like a phenomenon, like the way the Matrix did, was such a weird feeling. Because like until the Matrix came out, you're you're looking at it as like, oh, this is just like this is my sci-fi, right? Like this is the counterculture that I'm interested in as like an 18 year old in 1999. Like this is the stuff that's being fed to me by like the guys in Rage Against the Machine are reading this kind of stuff and like telling us to read it. Like that kind of stuff is happening, right? Like yeah. that transference of information. And it's becoming easier because we're in the digital world all of a sudden, right? So that thought yeah. process is expanding and like also like quickening, right? Like we're the pace of life. If you compare, I think back to 1999, I think about how easy and slow it felt compared to like living in 2021 or even like more accurately, like living in 2019 pre pandemic, right? Like we've slowed down considerably (laughs) since then, but like the world was at a breakneck pace, like from 2016 to 2019, basically until we had to like shut it down because of this. But it's just like, it's crazy to think about all that. Like, I mean, how far we've come on top of just like all that shit percolating to the the mainstream finally. And like, Mm -hmm. that's what the matrix was, right? Like all that weird counterculture thought, all that weird sci-fi that had been coming up in like the eighties and nineties and like the nineties, like that was this breaking through. It's almost like Nirvana in a way, like punk finally breaking through in 91 kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the the counterculture finally kind of cracks through to the mainstream and it causes a big fucking kerfuffle. And like, that's kind of what this is. It's almost like the, like the follow-up punch of Nirvana breaking through to the mainstream, like 10 years later, the matrix happens and it's kind of the same idea or thought process or like revolution to thought anyway that that album was kind of the same way 10 years earlier or whatever so yeah and Kurt was telling you the same fucking thing rage was too you know he just <laughs> died first so yeah and, and i feel like that there is uh there's parallels there as well because i feel like both like nirvana and then this movie one of the reasons that they both became so popular and and gain like really kind of a widespread mainstream following was because they were tapping into those sort of subconscious things that were, were happening in people's minds at the time, rather than, you know, there were people that were like seeing, Oh yeah, I see, you know, what they're trying to do here. But there were other people that were just like, this is a fucking cool movie. Like, but for some reason it's like finding seats resonating with me. Yeah. For, for reasons that I can't exactly like, I can't put my finger on kind of thing, but it just yeah. like, and this is all feels, retrospect, right? Like we're, yeah. we're talking about it like 20 years removed from it. So like now I can like quantify and academically look at it and be like, Oh, look at all this connection. Look at mm-hmm. all of this connection, all this counterculture thought that's coming through and like percolating into the mainstream consciousness and like affecting the youth. Like we think a certain way, almost all of us in our age bracket, because we saw this movie and like experienced these, like that music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it's affected the way we process the day to day world. And that's kind of the scary part about the matrix. Like you can get into that, like the layer on top of the layer of like, what did the matrix do to actually pro- like change the way you process the way you deal with the information you are given on a day to day, like in mm-hmm. your day to day life. And that's trippy shit. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and that's the kind of stuff you write papers about and not discuss really stone 90 minutes into a podcast. Basically. <laughs> well, and and I mean, you know, you're talking about like, what are the things that you can say about it that haven't been said before? There was I, I still get new stuff out of this every time I watch it. It's been a while, maybe four or five years since I've watched it last. And for me, like the one a couple of the things that really came across one, like this is the first time that I'd watched it post, like knowing that both the Wachowskis came, you know, were trans and, and have publicly said that this 
you know, that there's a lot of allegory for being for, you know, for being trans and trans identity and how you exist in the world and all that. So, you know, I was definitely picking up more of that or maybe just viewing it more through that lens this time around. Like for me anyway, looking at it, like when I, I just rewatched all three in like one big sitting, I felt like the first movie, like there's hints to it at that point. But it's mm-hmm. like the kind of coded hints you would get in 1999, right? Like it feels like the obfuscated coded hints. Whereas yeah, in the yeah. next two movies, it becomes like it's almost text. Way like more, it's yeah. so blatant in the next two movies. Maybe we should just do the next two movies that next week. We have anything <laughs> yeah, to that's do. what I'm thinking. No, yeah. nothing else. Nothing. Yeah, Spider Man's a couple weeks from now still. So, well, yeah, but you know, so, they're back to back. Yeah, basically those two yeah, movies, right? Exactly. Uh, Matrix and Spider Man. So. Yeah. So there is this Fuck, whole other reading. finale. We're gonna have Hawkeye like dump in the middle, like end in the middle of all that shit. Something too. like that too. Yeah. Great. Anyway. Yeah, so there there is really that whole other reading that you can apply to this yeah. matrix and then the, you know the the whole trilogy as well in terms of what it's like to be trans, how to reconcile that gender identity with everything else you thought you knew about yourself like, you know, through Neo coming to this realization that everything that he knew about himself is fucking wrong and he has to completely relearn how to relate to the world around him and and exist in that world and that kind of thing. You downplay like we we don't talk about it because like it's been talked about a million times. But like the like the trauma of waking up and realizing like the world that you lived in for like what thirty years, like in Neo's case or whatever he was supposed to be twenty five. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like that world doesn't exist, and like literally doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like is a digital yeah. simulacra, and the real world that you live in sucks beyond the telling of it. Aside from <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss, like holy shit, that would be like exist you need therapy for the rest of your fucking existence to deal yeah. with that kind of like this like how the world sucks so bad compared to what i came from put me <laughs> the fuck back in the box and that's i mean that's part of the joy like i almost relate to joy pants because i'm like i wouldn't want to live in this world either real or not if that felt real put me back in the fucking box because i'd rather like you know what i mean <laughs> This I mean, sucks. what the fuck do you think we do like weekly yeah, doing basically. all these like fucking escapist fantasy fucking yeah. crazy comic book movies and <laughs> like 80 like hours that. of GTA like, this week is exactly what that was yeah, escaping exactly. back you into know, the box yeah so like I don't know what to tell like I, I don't want to live in the real world so like put me back <laughs> yeah. in the fucking matrix I can fucking fly around and listen to Rage Against the Machine all goddamn day yeah and the other thing is maybe over the past I don't know five somewhere five, 10 years, like I've just become a lot more, I, I wouldn't say I was ever like pro capitalist, but I've just become a lot more vehemently like anti-capitalist. Mm. And so I'm, I'm picking up a lot more of that sentiment this time around, or, or, you know, again, viewing it through that lens with where like the matrix is like a system of control to turn people into like obedient little worker drones. Oh, I mean, batteries kind of thing. Yeah. Like, the problem is that like everybody started dressing like them. The products of capitalism are very rarely equipped to comment on capitalism. So it, it doesn't yeah. get to be become like that Uroborosi kind of tail eating itself. We're like, this is a movie that was made to make a billion dollars. And like, yeah, it's gonna have an anti-capitalist message in it. Same as Rage Against the Machine. Those motherfuckers <laughs> made bank doing that fucking shtick. You know what I mean? But yeah. at the end of the day, they made bank on it. So like it's what what's that? What's that thing that's been going around a lot lately? Ethical consumption in a capitalist society is impossible, right? Yeah. In theory. Or like theoretically, so like yeah. bitch all you want, but like you're complicit in the problem, and like there's nothing you can fucking do about it because the machine is built to yeah. make sure that you can't do anything about it. So yeah, exactly. And it's been like that since before you were born. And then Rage Against the Machine was trying to tell us that, and the Machowskis tried to tell us that, and 
You still voted Trump in. So like, what the exactly. fuck? Exactly. It's know? still, it's it just matter. gotten worse. You know, it's fucking only gotten worse. Billionaires so. got way more fucking rich during the pandemic. And yeah. Roe versus Wade's going to be repealed next week, probably. It's just. Oh, fuck. It's a well, lovely time to be alive. It's a lovely time to be alive. The other thing I want to point out while you were mentioning um, Simulacra in particular is the, the one Easter egg that I fucking love in this movie more than anything else is Neo hiding his like bootleg software and everything in a copy of uh, Simulacra and Simulation. Have you, have you ever read that, that Baudrillard little treatise kind of thing? I have actually. Yeah. I read it in undergrad. It's, it was written when we, the year we were born, actually, 1981. 81. Yeah. Uh, by uh, Jean Baudrillard. It's, it's like French postmodern philosophy. And it talks about sort of how symbolism and the relationships between reality and, and society and, and how significations of reality are really what we experience, not mm-hmm. reality itself kind of thing. You know, you're viewing it through your own lenses and with your own preconceptions and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's really, it's only like 160 pages too. Um, And it's really an interesting exploration of sort of media and, and symbology and that kind of thing. It's worth reading. I think for sure. I know I read it. I used it. I cited it in a paper. Uh, Well, I was, I mean, this is a, this is a branch of thought that I am quite well versed in this kind of like simulacra and like media manipulation and all that kind of stuff is something that I'm, interested in i guess kind of like on a hobby slash academic level it was the stuff i wrote about a lot like in art school because it's part of the art like the fine art experience is doing is that kind of like faking right. reality and like bending what is art and this that and the other thing and what is reality and all that other shit that goes Playing into representations and yeah and like symbology and like like using symbolism in your work and like how that affects your work and how that fucking paints people's interpretation of your work this is the kind of shit that i've spent my entire existence thinking about <sighs> and then this movie just dumps more of it on my brain yeah i yeah. i know you can sit here and i can sit here and just like talked about the matrix in like it's funny because one of those movies you could talk about in a million different ways like we could totally sit here and just talk about it as like this dope chop sake action movie with keanu reeves and gary ann moss and just the tightest leather pants that either of them ever wore in their careers <laughs> Uh, or how badass Morpheus is, like Lawrence Fishburne's fucking like booming massive presence throughout like the entire fucking thing, or like just the dripping fucking rancid vitriol of Hugo Weaving's yeah. Agent Smith performance. I just felt it. Like I just I was like, oh, I'm on board with this computer program. Like he hates people as much as I hate people, <laughs> and I love him for it. I yeah, just love that. Him. That is absolutely one of oh. my favorite sequences. Is his and he goes into the whole like. Uh, explaining the first matrix and how people rejected it because it was too perfect. And so they yeah. had to make something that was kind of like shitty and, you know, for, for it to be. Yeah. yeah. Because we're shitty. We had to make the matrix city. Cause otherwise we wouldn't accept the non shitty <laughs> yeah. version because we are it shitty. Was, it was very big. Thanos was right. Oh, energy. Oh God. Yeah. It's so much. Thanos was right. <laughs> energy or Magneto was right. Energy It's more, more age appropriate for Marvel villains to say Magneto was right. And actually, no, that Grant Morrison run wouldn't have happened until 2001 those okay. t-shirts didn't start popping up till a little bit later actually that <laughs> Grant Morrison run all the black leather influenced by the Matrix it all started yeah. to feed back in too eventually right like you started to see like the X-Men going from the colorful oh, yeah, for sure. whatever to like the reason why the X-Men black wore those yellow. black and yellow outfits in the movie was because of this movie right like this is yeah. only when is that fucking first X-Men movie 2003 2002 2001 maybe yeah yeah it's, it's only a couple of years later it's like the next year or something like that lots of matrix special effects in that first x-men movie no the first x-men was 2000 Woo, see like they were like basically in production when this movie came out so there you go 
Yeah. Yeah. Lots of that. Like that influence was right there too. Cause like as soon as that movie came out, that's when new X-Men happened and Grant Morrison put the X-Men in this black leather horse shit too. So the authority started to happen around this kind of stuff in comics. This is like a weird time where everything got real dark and grim again. Like the matrix was like a parrot, like part of a paradigm shift in pop culture where things got very serious for a couple of years. Like we were, we were hurtling towards a new Battlestar Galactica reboot in 2003 in 1999 mm-hmm. kind of thing. We just watched a vicious war in the Alpha Quadrant on Deep Space Nine. Like it wasn't oh, your yeah. grandfather's Star Trek anymore. Like they were fucking killing each other in those spaceships at that point. Like everything had gotten a lot grimmer for some reason. Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin was the WWE champion, WWF champion, actually. Probably actually 99. It might have been The Rock by then. It probably would have been more accurately the great one. We were all living that edgy lifestyle. You know what I mean? Limp Biscuit was coming. It's not Jesus. good, but it was coming. <laughs> I mean, raging, if we're talking about Rage Against the Machine, we are like a uh, hop, skip, and a jump away from Corn and Limp Biscuit. They are oh, yeah. the they are the spark that lit that fucking flame. Yeah, for better or for worse. <laughs> while, while you're talking about uh, Battlestar Galactica, the one thing that I wanted to point out that that really struck me this time is, you know, we we talked, we've kind of referenced Battlestar Galactica. We haven't actually done an episode on it yet, but like how <laughs> fuck, we referenced it last week again. Oh, yeah. I've been talking about Battlestar way too much lately. I'm gonna have to watch it eventually. But like one of the reasons that that show holds up for me because I just finished rewatching it uh, earlier this year is that the the tech they they come up with a good explanation as to why the tech is sort of like frozen in time and feels mm-hmm. like a little bit outdated and everything because they had to do that shit to avoid the cylons being able to like control it and and infect it and that kind of thing and they do this i think that's one of the reasons that this the the design of this movie and the tech of this movie holds up decently as well because like the tech in the matrix is all frozen in basically in 1999 right so like all the tech there yeah it makes total sense it would all be that way but then in the real world they're just fucking cobbling shit together with whatever fucking scraps and stuff they can pick up from kind of like the before times right they're not really making much that's new like there was obviously some period of advancement after 1999 when the actual matrix is set like when judgment day happened yeah like up to the yeah, point exactly. where judgment day happens or yes, whatever you want to exactly. call it for lack of a better term so, so the, i think that's one of the things that that yeah, works that overall sense. is the, the textile and also and it also has, ends up having like that same cyclical nature too right because in Battlestar galactica there's the whole like this has all happened before it will mm-hmm. all happen again and then the matrix is the same way like by the time we get to the end of this we find out that there's been you know this whole like you know the one is programmed into the matrix basically he's the remainder the leftover in the program kind of thing and it's been happening for you know eons kind of thing yeah, time and time again this. it's been happening yeah. um, i always found that interesting too because like um it it makes the movie immortal also locking it to 1999 and then saying like that was the peak of human society <laughs> and then like there's a couple hundred years of like faffing about afterwards first of all it's very damning to us post-1999 <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it makes us sound like assholes, which fair enough. And to be fair, we did fail. Look at the world around you. It's a miserable shithole. So like, I mean, we got iPhones and like, I got a 3090, but like it ain't worth it. You know, we probably still could have had that shit and, you know, been heading towards Star Trek times. I don't want to live in the expanse. The expanse sucks. You know, like I don't want, no, that sounds like fucking capitalist bullshit. uh, That's what's coming. 
that's what's that's coming, boys. That's where we're headed. Anyway. That's, that's where fucking Musk and Bezos want us headed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Mining asteroids in deep space. Good times. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what I was talking about anymore. I was just rambling. <laughs> stoned and rambling about weird conspiracy theory matrix things. <laughs> I mean, that was another thing that like came out of this. Like Tons of that X-Files conspiracy theory stuff kind of like like kind of got rammed into the mainstream. I mean, I mean so we've been talking about that a little bit going on, mm-hmm. but like yeah, that was a that was a cult show, and this was not a cult movie. Like by the time it was done, its theatrical run, it had no, made no, like no. a billion dollars, and like had been seen by God. My parents had seen The Matrix a couple times. You know what I mean? Like I was, I mentioned that we were going to watch it this week, going into the new movie. And they're like, oh yeah, I haven't seen those since they came out. I was like, well, yeah, but you saw them. They're like, yeah, everybody saw them. Who didn't see yeah. The Matrix? And I was like, it's a good fucking question. I don't know. I've seen it five hundred <laughs> times. Like. I'm required by law because of my age slash gender to have seen it 500 times though. So. <laughs> this is true. So well, let's talk more about just maybe the main kind of, you know, normal traditional filmmaking kind of stuff about it. These movies to me hold up really well in terms of how well they're written, directed and ed- edited. I think the Wachowskis, the way that they sort of the, the exposition that they do, the way that they kind of, string you along, you know, a bit at a time to give you these little bits and pieces of what's actually going on. And then the whole big reveals and everything and how the matrix and how it relates to the real world. I I find that pretty masterful in hindsight. I think it works really well. I think they do an excellent job of it in the first movie as to like, almost to the point where like the second movies kind of betray the trust of the first movie in terms of like kind of fucking up the mystery and promise of the matrix. You're going to be able to have the same revelations in. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just like the, like the revelations that they give us are very lackluster in comparison. Whereas like you're never going to be able to like, it's, it's fucking, it's almost famous again, right? It's the, it's like you have the open hand and the closed hand. Which one do you want? You always want the closed hand because it's a mystery. The first movie is a perfect movie because it leaves you with a million directions to go in. Right. Mm -hmm. You can go in a million directions after the first movie the problem with the matrix sequels is that they chose a direction and that fucks the whole thing up right because then all of a sudden you're into this like really heady like kind of dense like thought piece about heroism and like circular the circular nature of fucking fate and all this other crap like really the audiences didn't want you know what i mean the hints to that stuff in the in the first movie are like what make the first movie great when you actually go and explore that stuff in the sequels, it's just fucking boring and no <laughs> amount of like CGI squids and weird tech is going to help that. This first movie is like, it's such a masterclass and just like we set up, it's like Blade Runner in that way. It's like we set up this nice tight little world and we mm-hmm. have a little bit of action in it and we get the fuck out. And we, when I think that's, you know I mean? that's why Blade Runner 2049 works as a sequel, right? Because mm-hmm. it's still, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to, you know, really just like continue on that story. It was like, no, we're going to pick another little corner yes. of this world and explore it. And then we're going to tie it a little bit back to what you know, but it's really its own story at its heart kind of thing. And that's kind of where the Matrix sequels, I think. And we'll talk about it next week. Fuck it. We'll just do those two movies next week. <laughs> okay. But that's where they kind of fail for me is that like they want to explain everything. And like, mm-hmm. you can't do that and maintain any kind of like interest. Cause once you, fu- it's like the old Patrick Stewart line from extras. Once you've seen it, it's too late. I've seen it all. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. 
that's why the Animatrix is the best sequel to the Matrix, oh, right? Is because absolutely. it shows it shows all these little slivers of life inside and outside the Matrix kind of thing, and a lot of really cool, like you know, people that don't know what they're in kind of thing, and all that sort of stuff. So that would be. I, Can you still get your hands on that? Like that must be hard to find. I mean, I probably have the DVD somewhere, but like I, it's, have to, it's in that DVD set. I have it as part of the DVD set. I don't, yeah. It didn't. It didn't come with the the four K unless it's on the, like a bonus feature on one of the four K discs. I didn't see it mm-hmm. off the look. But oh man, I, I would like to watch that too. I might watch a bunch of more. Like I'll at least watch Animatrix again. I've watched both yeah. of the sequels already, so I'm kind of okay there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my thoughts about those are kind of like on record. Yeah, I have my thoughts about them. But we'll do that <laughs> next week. We'll do that next week. We'll talk about the first one. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. It, like, it's weird because like I'll bitch about the first one in terms of it being like kind of derivative of a lot of like what was going on in pop culture at the time that I was already reading. Like I was already invested in that stuff. I was that that nerdy eighteen year old who just wanted to fucking like read all this cool like counterculture shit, right? Like that was what I was interested in at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was on board. And I almost felt betrayed when this movie came out. So I'm like, ah oh, shit. All the stuff that I thought was cool and mine and like weird and spooky is now just in a big pop culture movie. Like it's just in a big popcorn movie this summer. That's crazy to me. So yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was funny because like I never thought I would see the day where all these bros were like in, super into like cyber culture the way like oh yeah what, you I know mean, what I mean like it turned the, it turned people like immediately people everybody wanted to be a hacker and like be into computers and stuff and I was like wait what like, this like, movie you, you yeah. guys you guys knowing that I knew what a modem was used to get me like like not beat <laughs> up because like nobody could beat me up I was fucking a foot taller than everybody that went to school with me but I mean like threatened to beat they'd be like oh we'll kick your ass for that I'm like you and what fourteen other people like. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, no, absolutely. The the matrix it changed the yeah. way people thought about computers and stuff a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean, it made them more it's, cool and mainstream. And I was like, oh, okay. The matrix is responsible for so much of what we would look back on today as like that sort of like second wave cyberpunk, and also like mm-hmm. probably the first wave of like that cyber goth kind of aesthetic. One, like, oh man, and that's a I mean, lot Berlin of that Vincent's is on this fucking soundtrack. Yeah, you know unfortunately, I mean? like, he's not yeah. yet the, the last of the three credit songs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is due to the fantastic costume design, production design overall, the overall visual language of the movie, like color plays such an important role, the way that they sort of tinge everything a little bit green in the matrix. And they contrast that with, you know, still pretty muted colors, but more warmer colors when you get out of the matrix. They allow the skin tones to go back to more naturalistic skin tones, but like the backgrounds stay gray and blue. Like this thing's very slate. Yeah. Very blue. But yeah. Yeah. I know I even did like a color analysis on this at one point. Like I grabbed the oh, whole yeah, movie and did like one of those so blurs on it. It was, ugh. yeah, I was so much shit about like, like I referenced the matrix in a lot of the stuff that I wrote about when I was in school, because it was one of those, like it allowed you to go into a lot of different directions, thought wise kind of thing as you were writing papers, especially about art. And like, that was what I was obsessed with anyway. It was like, like all the art and simulation and like VR, especially like had become like a really big kind of thought in like art installation application while i was at schools doing like art mm. so all this stuff was just like like just fucking zinging around my brain at warp fucking nine all the time you know what i mean all these thoughts about like what does media mean what the fuck are we doing with it and like is it gonna eat us all and like is the <laughs> internet gonna fucking destroy us and guess what guys <laughs> we knew it was gonna be bad in 1999 and it was fuck it's infinitely worse than any of us ever thought it could have been <laughs> I could not have ever expected it would be as bad as it is. You know what I mean? I never thought online would be this fucking like virulent and awful. Like it felt like a fucking haven back. Like 1999 online felt like 
are my hidey hole, like a haven to go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of how they treat it in this movie, which is interesting because like the, even the difference between how we treat online is different. Like the way we think about like existing online is different from how they would have treated it in this movie, right? Like to them, it was a mystery and like a place to explore and like a place to be yourself and obfuscate your real identity and all that kind of stuff, like explore anonymity basically. Whereas now mm-hmm. like living online is like everybody knows who you are. Everybody can go tell you that they fucked your mom like at any point <laughs> in your day. You know what I mean? Like all that shit just like happens all the time. The mystery of online has been like removed from it. And like that, I think that's part of the fun of like going back to the matrix. Like part of the fun of going back to the matrix is that like the mystery of the internet is still a mystery. It's not like what I've spent my entire life doing for 20 years yeah, day to day, I mean, you know? So Neo would have been the guy if, if he was in the real world that would have hung out in like IRC chats. Right. And like you only ever knew each other by a handle, not yeah. like today where you're on Facebook and like you have to use your real name or yeah. you get fucking like reported and shit like that yeah he, so. he, he would just be like a, a good story on like sysadmin or something like that on reddit you know what i mean like he'd be yeah. the guy who tells you like really dope hacker stories on r slash sysadmin or something like that yeah right, yeah reddit reddit is probably the closest thing yeah, to absolutely. this version of the internet that still exists you know i mean unless unless you won't go into the really seedy underbelly of the fucking internet well these i mean days like you can always go to like tour and stuff like that but oh yeah there's always the chance but i was thinking more like especially in 1999 more like i was thinking more like bulletin boards like not bbs in oh, yeah. particular but like usenet which is still yeah. active like usenet still exists but like usenet was like I mean, Reddit has become like a, a web interface to Usenet kind of in its own way. Mm-hmm. But like Usenet was just like you could get fucking anything on Usenet, any kind <laughs> of conversation, any kind of anything. You know what I mean? Like digital media, information, porn, movies, like anything you wanted, you could find it in the really disgusting and very seedy <laughs> recesses yeah. of Usenet. God, I spent a lot of time diving like weird Usenet binary groups. <laughs> in like the early 2000s looking for like movies and shit like that like getting dvd rips early on like that's where like that's where i started like if you want to talk about like the early days of mark like pirating shit like crazy uh usenet was where i started really peeling stuff out before torrents hit i even still go back to usenet every once in a while to find like some obtuse stuff like weird really specific like graphics programs that don't like exist in the mainstream particularly like for for rips and stuff like that for printing for print houses like if for some reason they still exist in binaries way out in Usenet, like in the distant <laughs> archives of like, you know, some shithole on the internet way like it exists on somebody's <laughs> IBM three eighty six from like nineteen ninety seven. That for some reason is still hooked up. It's still connected to dial up for some reason on AOL <laughs> and you can still get at the file. I don't know, it's weird. But either way, like yeah, it's it's very much like the the difference in like the way online has been treated so, like since like what the matrix kind of put forward and then like what it has become is very different too. I also wish you could go back in time and kind of get back to that like anonymous like there, side there of there are still there parts are, of yeah, corners of the internet parts. where you can still do that kind of stuff. And yeah. What else? The uh, a couple other things that really jumped out at me this time in particular was I mean how much this movie and world owes to Star Wars. I mean the whole chosen one narrative is not unique to those two worlds, but the way that it treats both of those is pretty similar. Both Neo and Luke are supposed to like bring balance to the world and like freeing the oppressed and all that kind of stuff. The whole like training to use like special superhuman abilities and like crazy jumps and being able to control the world around you with your mind and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, And even to the point where this time I noticed Morpheus's costume in the real world reminds me a lot of like a the Jedi master kind of robes. 
Yeah. Like it's got a little bit of that like a shoulder overhang kind of thing. And when Neo becomes the one, he, he adopts a much more like kind of priestly garb. You know what I mean? Like well, it's, it's fucking Luke's kind of, costume from the start of Return of the Jedi, right? Really, like all it, the, that's the, what I mean like, though. Like, back, yeah. like they it's very much the same kind of thing. Whereas like cause like the, the Jedi go more monk, like Asian mm-hmm. martial arts kind of monk with the big hoods and stuff like that. Whereas these guys just go to like the you go to your Western kind of religious iconography for the matrix right and you get into like priests with the robes but the very severe cut robes like the german yeah, yeah. cut like priest robes and stuff like that like that coat mm-hmm. he's wearing at the beginning of reloaded or whatever it's like super slim cut at the top but it's got that flared bottom while he's yeah. in the burly brawl like that kind of thing but it's like the top of it's got the the really starched collar that if you put the white block in there like you got keanu as priest boy but he's just walking around with it as black but oh yeah i mean <laughs> it, that's just back <laughs> even some of the stuff they put what's your name <laughs> in her like when they put uh trinity in there's a lot of like you know there's t- i mean the, her name is trinity first of all so there's religious illusions yes. there <laughs> just so we're all clear i'm not a moron but like they do there's lots of like mary allegories to her character throughout the movie also you know what i mean there's lots of biblical allegory and this, how we haven't even talked about the fucking Alice in Wonderland horse shit. This whole movie is just oh, Alice yeah. in Wonderland. You know what I mean? The White Rabbit's right at the beginning. It's just Alice in Wonderland with computers. Down the rabbit hole, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss's hot ass in leather pants. That's like <laughs> the only difference between these movies. Also, it's not a blonde girl. It's Keanu Reeves. I don't know. I, I, we, like I said, we can sit here and talk about this movie until the fucking cows come home because like we've both seen it 400,000 times. And we've probably spent way too much time thinking about it as we've gotten old. <laughs> yeah. That's all we all know is old. Dude, Dude, like, what the fuck? (laughs) No, over 20 fucking two years ago at this point. Um, Do you have any significant gripes uh, for The Matrix? Actually, no. This is one of those ones where, like, like, aside from the sequels, like, if I can excise my thoughts about the sequels. (laughs) Just this movie on its own. (laughs) Just this movie on its own is actually one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, no, this holds up really, really well. Like, it's one of those, like, very, it's really good. Like, it's nearly perfect in terms of just, like, the pacing and the plot and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm never... When I'm watching it, nothing ever stands out to me. It's like, oh, this is dumb. How did that happen? Um, some yeah. of the stuff, like, how did Joey Pants get back out of the Matrix the first time he was in there? Oh yeah, some yeah. I guess somebody would some who was his operator at that yeah. point. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, there's like, there's plot holes that I can still see and pick out, kind of thing. Yeah. Doesn't fucking matter at all <laughs> when I'm watching this movie, right? If I want to watch all of them, then I start getting kind of like, oh yeah, there's some plot holes here. Where black yeah. guy go he got shot but survived he's just gone now yeah, he's, just gone. he's just gone yeah oh, that's the one, his sister. the one thing his sister's with- really pretty but i mean aside from that he's gone the one anyway. thing with cypher that kind of got me this time around was like how much they like forecast him as being the betrayer but like it's I mean, like aside you know, from they- casting joey fucking pantaleone as him like well, but this was pre pre-sopranos pre-sopranos it's so hard going back to him in retrospect i can never see him as a good guy after he fucking yeah. like <laughs> He was on the Sopranos because, like, his he was the biggest piece of shit on the Sopranos. Like, you never shit memento, too. In the end, that's what I mean. He's a scumbag of memento. Oh, god, he's good in that (laughs) one, though. But he's a like violent piece of garbage in the Sopranos. Like, when he the spoilers for the Sopranos is like fucking 20 year old show, also. (laughs) But when Tony kills him, it is the most cathartic moment in the entire six year run because you wait (laughs) like two years. Of him being an aggravating cocksucking prick to die. <laughs> and then yeah. it just happens suddenly and Tony beats his brains and you're like, oh, thank God. But because of that role, though, anything I see him in, I'm immediately like, oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. Like when he showed up in fucking Daredevil in 2003, I was like, I can't take this guy seriously as a good guy, Ben Ulrich. 
he's got to be scumbag version because it's Joey goddamn pants. He killed that <laughs> poor girl behind the bing. Anyway. We're not talking about Sopranos. We should be. Uh, <laughs> the other, the you other got me thinking, it's 1999. You got me thinking of 1999, which is about the year the Sopranos <laughs> also, started. Sopranos yeah. yeah. The other couple of minor gripes that I have, I've never really gotten a huge amount of chemistry between Neo and Trinity, at least not in the first movie. It's Keanu Reeves. No, they're both hot as fuck, but like in terms of like electricity between them. It's Keanu Reeves, Tim. Listen, I love <laughs> Keanu Reeves, but he's not what I would call a scintillating actor. <laughs> Dramatic romantic actor. So yeah, they're like, okay, he's now married to Monona Ryder, right? Like they're legit married in real life. They got married this year, apparently, for some reason. Like now they're married. Really? I guess so. Yeah, That's what I, I heard. heard watch them in Dracula and look at the complete lack of chemistry between the two of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? He has no chemistry with anybody. I like Keanu Reeves, but he doesn't, he's not a chemistry actor kind of thing. He's a John Wick guy, I guess is what he's perfect for the role of the cipher, basically where like you get to put your emotion. He's perfect for Neo because he's a blank slate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like He's, he's dead basically. Yeah. He, he's just that guy so yeah i agree that they don't have any chemistry but like i can't fault this movie for that because they cast keanu reeves in the lead there so yeah i mean it's just their their romance at least in this movie i don't really remember how it comes across in the next couple but like the romance it. feels a little forced to me but they're both pretty people well, so that's what I, that's just even, raw animal attraction kind of I mean, thing that's what i get it i like if i saw carrie ann moss in those pants i'd feel <laughs> raw animal attraction also and from what i understand from our from the ladies in my existence keanu reeves like to this day, could fucking get it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm assuming 30 year old Keanu Reeves, who's in like ripped kung fu shape, not doing too <laughs> bad with the ladies, you know? Yeah. He's a Canadian boy, so he's a nice guy. You hear the stories about Keanu? Apparently, Keanu's just like, oh, yeah, he's the just nicest a bro. fucking real stand up dude. He's a Canadian. He's one of us. Yeah. Just like a nice dude. The, the other last couple things, there's there's quite a bit of the whole like mystical black man, black woman kind of trope uh, between Morpheus and then the Oracle. And that's just mm. something that I've become more conscious of in recent years. And it's a trope that I'm a little bit over. I wasn't necessarily when the movie first came out. But now I think it's something that has started to become overused and has fallen out of favor. Uh, I do. To a large extent. I love the actress who plays the Oracle in the first movie. Yeah, it's a great performance great. for sure. Yeah. I do agree, but like as soon as you question putting black people in those roles, you end up with Tilda Swinton as the uh, the ancient one. So it's probably better off if we just leave the black folks in those roles. That's that's whitewashing of that role. Well, I mean, it's not any better than like what you want. You know what I mean? You want to take the black folks out of those roles. I like personally. I wouldn't want Lawrence Fishburne not in this role because he's fucking awesome as Morpheus. I agree. I agree. I love. I love him as Morpheus. It's just that trope in particular. I mean, they also is, the Oracle doesn't matter. Like they just made her a black lady because like that's the trope you go to is like have yeah. a black lady be the wise person in 1999. Because these these examples of that trope are fine. It's just it it just rings that in my brain yeah, and says like, oh man, that I just wish that like fewer movies would use that trope today kind of thing or, or TV shows or whatever. And then the other thing was totally really unrelated to the movie and not the fault of the movie at all, but just the whole, the way the whole red pill fucking thing has been co-opted by incels and misogynists in the years since the movie gives the, that concept just a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And it's one of those just totally involuntary kind of things. I think it's fucking funny. Cause like they don't get the concept, like they fundamentally yeah. get it wrong. <laughs> Like at the core yeah. of it, which 
figures. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we've rambled on about the matrix for almost two hours at this point. So let's just give this thing uh, some final thoughts and a rating and a 10 and get the fuck out of here. So Mark, what is your rating for the matrix? Uh, it's like a nine out of 10 movie. It's one of those like classics. Like I, I there, if you came to me at the odd day, I'm sure I could find something to bitch about in the first matrix movie but it would be a pretty rare day. The sequels, I'll fucking bitch about those sequels all day, <laughs> as you guys will find out next week, where I will in detail tell you why they're terrible. But um, yeah, no, this is like a nine out of 10 movie. It's like, it's a classic. I mean, fuck. It's so hard to like, just, it's a classic because of who we are and like the age bracket that we're in. Like we were 18 mm-hmm. in 1999. We are straight cishet men. The Matrix was literally built to appeal to us at that very moment in our existence. So like it, yeah. it and that's what it did. It, it appeals to us at that moment in our existence. And it, ju- it's just well enough made and just smart enough about the way they word their 1999 as the peak of humanity thing that it has become one of those movies you can watch forever. And it always going to hold up as a period piece of 1999, the same way the Terminator always works. You know what I mean? Like you can always go back to the first Terminator and it's yeah. so nine, it's 1984 as fuck, or 1984 yeah. as fuck, right? Like it's eighties as fuck. But it works as a period piece because that's what the story is. Like the Terminator goes back to 1984 to kill this kid before mm-hmm. he does whatever in the 2000 somethings. Yeah. Cool, right? So it becomes a period piece that is immortal because of that. And I think The Matrix does the same thing because of that. And if you haven't seen The Matrix, it's on fucking Netflix. Just go watch it. How have you not seen this movie at this point? No, like, it's not. Reloaded and Revelations are on Netflix. The original Matrix is not. Well, fuck Netflix then. I guess go steal it. <laughs> Seriously, I don't care anymore. Go steal it. Go fucking no, get I'm, it. Like, if you haven't seen The Matrix, go fucking get it. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, they've so, made all their fucking money off this movie. This oh, point. absolutely. And they're going to make more. They're making more right now. There's some box sets of it in 4K. So, like, as the new movie comes out. Yeah. I mean, they, they sold it to me for 20 bucks. So, what do you do? <laughs> Black Friday Seals, you know, for the win. There you go. There you go. The Matrix for me, it's like a nine and a half out of 10 movie. Like, there's those couple, like, things that just, you know, pick at me a little bit but it's really is it's just formative to my taste in film and a movie where my appreciation of it has very much evolved over the years like initially was just a fucking cool ass blockbuster sci-fi movie but you know by the time you get to your like second third fourth watch you're starting to pick up like all these fucking cool layers of theme and metaphor to it that really resonate to me as someone who has spent so much of my adult life in virtual and online spaces and it's just it's one of those movies from a technical standpoint that's like Blade Runner 2049 or Dune or Inception for me where everything's just firing on all cylinders production wise like it's written great the fucking story is fantastic uh, acting is all pretty fucking good you can just sit back and just be entertained by it or you can alternatively sort of let your brain get tangled up in all the interesting thematic shit that's going on yeah. or even just the craft it's also a movie where you can just sit, sit back and be like this movie is so fucking well made and they did so much cool shit in terms of the effects and like you know did so many new things and that sort of thing so it's just a it, it's a movie that deserves i think deserves a lot of rewatches so that you can appreciate it on those different levels i agree also uh spark a dog leg before you watch it <laughs> i did not get to do that last night but oh, uh dude. Next, next viewing it's I, so I, good baked <laughs> so good baked i love them like that's one of the it is a stone movie i go back to like when it was on netflix it would be one of those ones that i'd be like i'm baked just fucking just laying in bed like ready to go to sleep i'm just yeah. gonna like, i'm gonna go down the ra- I, like literally like it's a joke but like i'm gonna go down the rabbit hole yeah kind of thing and like watch carrie ann moss in those pants i've said that a lot this episode yeah. like an inappropriate <laughs> amount but <sighs> there's a reason very for tight. It. 
They are. All right. So with that, we can move on to our final segment, which is Geek Cred, where we just recommend something for you to check out that we think you might enjoy. Mark, what's your Geek Cred for this week? Uh, Evil Empire by Rage Against the Machine. Their 1996 album has just been mm. in my head for the last two days for some reason. So I'm just going to recommend you go on your Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you've squirreled away your records and listen to <laughs> Evil Empire and just realize that like they were warning us in 1996 and we did nothing. It's true. And now it's too late. It's very true. My geek cred this week is also some new music in this case that I have been enjoying. It's just it's a single track. I don't think there's an album or anything associated with it. It's called Good to Yourself. It's by a San Francisco band called Life in Sweatpants, which is really just all of us these days. Yep. Uh, But it's just a really fun, upbeat, like indie dance tune that reminds you to practice self-care, which I'm a big proponent of. And if you are disillusioned by the Matrix-like fucking society that we live in is something that needs to happen so that you don't just fucking go insane and contemplate suicide. Oh, I was supposed to do something else aside from just like going insane and doing the other thing. Yeah. This is oh. how I avoid that. <laughs> I mean, you know, to, to each their own, but each their own. Fair enough. Good. All right. So that's it for this episode of Dance Robot Dance. Thank you very much for listening. If you have anything you would like to tell us about this episode, your thoughts about the Matrix, anything that we missed, like I said, there's tons of fucking things that can be talked about about this movie. You can talk to us on Facebook. Not me right now. So I'm back in fucking Facebook jail is fuck you Zuckerberg. Uh, but you can post there and eventually I'll respond when I'm back out of Facebook jail. You can, that is at uh, facebook.com slash answer about dance podcast. You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can tweet at me directly at DRD underscore Tim. You can tweet at Mark at M underscore roulette. You can send us an email at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places that podcasts can be found. So with that, we'll say good night. Say good night, Mark. Good night, everybody. I have people with the sun playing in my ears now, so I'm just like, I'm nice. done. We're good. Are we out? We done. <laughs> this is Tim saying, I know Kung Fu. Show me. <laughs> Phrasing? Hmm. Mm, they're too sexy. <laughs> There's no phrasing.